is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. Now, there's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. December 7th. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to Android Right now, and searching Worldwide Sports Radio Network. iOS, I don't know what's going on. I tried it the other day. It's still not working. It was up. It's down. It's up. It's down. I don't know. But uh, you can definitely check it out on Android. It is working on Android. But anyway, Speedy, what's up, man? I'm doing well. I was looking forward to having uh, somebody sitting next to me, but apparently he decided to not show up because uh, he's still researching how good Francisco Lindor was last year. It was leave it to the beef, but... Uh, the Beave was supposed to show up a little bit later in the show, but it doesn't seem like he's going to. Uh, it is his nephew's favorite day. It's the the day that they go and check out Christmas lights and go and see the tree in Bayshore. So I do not believe we will see the Beave tonight, as always. Screwing up, as always. But we have a great show lined up for you guys. At 7.30, we'll be talking to CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports editor and director, Adam Silverstein. He'll be joining us. And at 8.30, we'll be talking to Dynasty Nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster Garrett Price. Garrett's been on a show before. Great guy. Really good personality. Knows his football. So looking forward to having him on the show. Aaron Judge, ladies and gentlemen, for everybody, including yours truly, that thought he was heading over there to San Francisco. I was wrong. Uh... Over the last, I would say, 15 hours, early this morning, Aaron Judge signs a nine-year, $360 million to stay with the New York Yankees. So the Yankees, a lot of people thought that that wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to sign with the Yankees. He was going to take a little bit more money and more years and head out to San Francisco close to his family. Well, Everybody and yours truly was wrong. So uh, we will get into that. I'm sure he'll have a little bit of a press coverage in the next couple of days. Uh, He'll speak to the press and and really tell all and everybody why he decided to stay with the Yankees and not swing to San Francisco where he grew up in that wonderful, hot state. So there you go. Cardinals sign uh, Wilson Contreras to five years $87.5 $87.5 million contract. Uh, Wilson Contreras is a very good pitcher. Um, pretty good player. Catcher. I'm sorry. The catcher. I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Wilson Contreras. I, I thought it was Wilson uh, somebody else. But anyways, Wilson Contreras, five years, $87.5 million. Signs with the Cardinals. That means the the back end of Yadier Molina is done. 
It looks like he will start coaching. I know he's. I think he's managing Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, in the World Championship, so I think uh, uh, Molina. He he did his tour last year with uh, his his boy Albert Pujols. Both of them will be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, uh, he is done now. So they needed a a spot. They needed a catcher to you know fill in. Uh, obviously, he's not Molina, but uh, a fantastic overall and all around player. So. Good move by the Cardinals. The Mets get two left-handed pitchers. They sign Jose Catina, if everybody remembers him. Starting pitcher, he's been a journeyman all over the majors. Uh, He's not what you call a fantastic pitcher, but he'll definitely fill in with this very old pitching staff. Um, And trade for reliever Brooks Riley from the the Rays. And if you remember Brooks... uh, he was uh, very good in the second half of the season in that bullpen with the Rays. So a pretty good sign. I think uh, I think the Brooks move was a good move for the Mets. Really uh, the Katina thing, I I don't understand it. It's a hit or miss. He's like Waka and Porcello. He's like on one year off the next, we'll say. Another old guy that's in his mid-30s. He's 33, and yet he's the, uh, he's the, oldest, he's the youngest one on that pitching staff right now. Yeah. Former NFL doctor David... Chiao, right? Chow. I'm sorry. Chow believes Matthew Stafford's spine and back injury could be career ending. Wow. Mm-hmm. If that is true, oh my God. I, well, he is a free agent after this year, so uh, the questions will be answered by only the Rams, but they did make a move uh, a couple of days ago. They, off the waiver wire, they added Baker Mayfield, so maybe it's Baker. Baker's opportunity. So. I don't know what's going on uh, with Matthew Stafford. I don't know if it's career career ending. Uh, it's just a thought. It, you know, I remember when everybody thought that uh, Zach Wilson was going to be out for the season because of what they saw on the field in that preseason game against the uh, the Eagles, and uh, it wasn't uh, year ending surgery. It was meniscus and a sprained knee. So I I don't know by just hearing this doctor say that that. He thinks his career ending that it's true. So we'll see. At least it's an actual doctor, not a Twitter doctor. <laughs> yes. Jimmy G and Lamar Jackson injuries. What will this mean for the 49ers and Ravens? What does it mean? Uh, I think the 49ers will sneak in because the NFC is so horrible. Uh, the whole Ravens thing, uh, I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are going to fall short. That's what I think, especially missing four weeks. I if they lose if, if they lose in two weeks or they don't they can't buy a win in two weeks. Lamar's going to come on one leg and play. That's what I believe. He's going after, and he's going to be risking that mighty big contract he's going to get. Mm-hmm. NFL Week 14 picks: uh, Derek nine and five, Speedy ten and four, and yours truly ten and four. So uh, we'll get the totals. Uh, I have to give you my wins the week before, but. Uh, yeah, so great show. We'll have Derek on a little bit later as well. Derek, a.k.a. the Jets jinx. <laughs> the Jets jinx, yes. And uh, let's hope he doesn't pick the Jets this week. Let's hope. Uh, I- I'm predicting he won't. But then again, he'd like to stick it to me, so he might. So anyways, well, let's get into the Aaron Judge thing. And early this morning at 7.30 a.m., I got a hit up by Josh Silverberg. And Josh told me, Enjoy that horrible contract that the Yankees gave Aaron Judge. I said, wait a second. I don't see anything. He didn't sign anywhere. 
And he says, go check out, go check your news on your Twitter. So I look on the Twitter and it says that Adam Scheffner, well, I'm sorry, not Adam Scheffner. I forget who it was actually. Ken Rosenthal? Was. I don't know if it was Ken Rosenthal. So I'm not, I'm not going to give him credit for something I don't remember. But uh, somebody, one of these writers uh, posted up that uh, Aaron Judge and the Yankees agreed to terms nine years, $360 million, which matches the Giants contract. He had a decision to make. Does he want to be a Yankee or does he want to be a Giant? And he decided to stick with the Yankees. I could see why. Uh, he, the short porch, Yankee Stadium. He's a superstar over there. I mean, his brand. Well, absolutely. I said this yesterday. His brand is more safe in New York than it is in San Francisco with the endorsements and all the things that he is going to get being the king of New York. Why would he leave? But I, I really thought he was on his way out. I did. I, I couldn't see him, you know, after that bad playoff run and, and really putting up the numbers he did in the playoffs. I was very surprised that Brian Cashman would match a nine-year, $360 million contract from the San Francisco Giants. I sit here today. I'm shocked. I'm not appalled. I'm a Yankee fan. I don't care. It's not my money. I'm not spending $360 million. The Yankees are. The Steinbrenners are. I'm not Brian Cashman that if this move does not work, where he's going to be looking for a new job. As Yankee fans know that he signed a four-year extension till 2026. Great move by the Yankees, by the way. Maybe Brian Cashman sees something in Aaron Judge that he hasn't seen since Derek Jeter. Leadership, ability, five tools, Hall of Famer. Now, I don't know if he's going to play enough years to be a Hall of Famer, but he could. I mean, he has over 200 home runs. He's the fastest to 200 home runs than any player in Major League history. If he hits another 200 home runs in the next five years, yeah, I would say he's a Hall of Famer, even with 400 home runs. He'll be the quickest to 400 home runs than we've ever seen. He also has the home run record in the American League, which, by the way, he'll be in the Hall of Fame just with that. He's an all-time Yankee? I don't know. He's got a lot to prove. And he's got to win championships. Mickey Mantle won championships. Babe Ruth won championships. Joe DiMaggio won championships. Derek Cheater won championships. Yogi Berra won championships. Every big superstar that ever played for this organization won championships. When you look at the captain... And the captaincy that's been lagging since Derek Jeter retired. Do I believe Aaron Judge will be considered getting the captaincy now that he's going to be there for the rest of his career? Absolutely. I wouldn't be so surprised when he gets his press conference probably sometime next week after the winter meetings or at the end of the winter meetings where he obviously gets announced he gets announced as a a Yankee again, nine years, $360 million. He takes some pictures, takes some pictures with some babies, and the Yankees announced that he is the new captain of the uh, New York organization. 
I sit here today and I wonder, is this the move that's going to jump the Yankees into a World Series contender? And the answer is no. It's not. Last year, in the ALCS, he batted a 177. That's not going to get it done. 211 throughout the playoffs. That's not going to get it done. I don't care what he does in the regular season. He can hit 70 home runs and 180 RBIs. If you can't do it in the big games, you can't do it against good pitching, nobody cares. And I, I still hear that they're interested in Rondon. I, I think that the Yankees are the lead team to get him. It'll be interesting after giving Aaron Judge this kind of contract what they're willing to pay Rondon or Rondon, whatever his name is, the money that he is going to be asking for. And I would think he's going to be asking for, for a lefty, a power lefty, at the age of 29, in the prime of his career, which he's the best lefty available, he's been the best lefty available in the last three years in free agency, you're talking about 36, 35 million a year. And right now they're paying Garrett Cole 37, 38. So you have two pitchers that are going to make close to a little bit over $70 million a year. For the next six years. Are the Yankees willing. To put that kind of money. On a pitching staff. and That kind of money now. On two players that can't stay healthy. Giancarlo Stanton. And Aaron Judge. And hope that this team. With the acquisitions they made. Including their, their best player. Looking to jump. Over the Houston Astros, and by the way, made a big, huge move in free agency just a few weeks ago, really a week and a half ago, and bringing in a Jose Abreu, adding to that firepower, to think that the Yankees are better today, even with Brendon, than without him. So I, I sit here, and I know Yankee fans are like, well, we need Brendan Nimmo. They're not getting Brendan Nimmo. No. They're not. They will make a move. If they if they can get Rondon, if they can somehow make a move for that, that will probably be their final straw, their final move of the offseason because that will cost them almost – Aaron Judge is going to make 40, 42, 43, and then Rondon. You're talking about $70 million a year on just two players. And, and then – Maybe add a relief pitcher here and there. They don't need a closer because I think they have enough right now. Uh, they still have Zach Britton. He should be back in the beginning of the season. He could be the closer. Chad Green, whoever. Whoever they decide that they think fits that closing position, they will move forward with him. Right now, am I happy that Aaron Judge is a Yankee? I don't know. Obviously, the Yankees didn't think they were going to get Soto at the end of next year because he'll probably sign back with the Padres. Maybe uh, they don't want to trade away any pieces for Otani, who will be, um, I, I don't think he's unrestricted. I think he's a restricted free agent next year. He'll, he'll be able to go on arbitration. I think it's arbitration mm -hmm. next year. Yep. So 
even if he wants out of Anaheim or what of L.A., he's still going to have to be traded. And the Yankees are not going to be willing to just trade away pieces. I sit here and I wonder, Brian Cashman, does he have a plan on this? Now, I don't know Brian Cashman. I haven't read anything on what Brian Cashman thought of this contract. This is a a ridiculous contract, which would set Aaron Judge with the Yankees for the next nine years, which would make him 40 years old. Does he live out that contract? Probably not. He'll probably play to 37, 38 and retire. A guy his size... An athletic, he probably will start losing his athleticism probably when he's 35. They'll move him to DH for two years. If he could stay healthy, he'll play for two years. And then at the age of 37, 38, he'll retire. I don't think he's Albert Pujols. I don't think he's any. He's too big to do that consistently for nine years. And again, going back, am I happy? I'm happy the Yankees kept their guy. I'm not happy with the years. I'm not happy because this guy is 280 pounds, brute strong, brute strength, and he has to lug himself around for the next years, next nine years with the New York Yankees playing in the cold in the winter, you know, in the fall time, which doesn't help the bones and the muscles and the ligaments for a guy his size. And then, honestly, being a team that hasn't won a championship in, what, 12, 13 years? Are we going to believe that this guy, who hasn't done in the playoffs like Derek Jeter, hasn't done in the playoffs like Bernie Williams or Paul O'Neill or any of the greats of the 90s, do we believe in this guy that they're going to make it, that they're going to win a World Series with this guy as their leader? And that's going to be very tough for the Yankees to be able to turn around, too, because they now basically strap themselves where, yes, they go for the one more big move. Maybe it's Rodon. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a trade for a pitcher. Who knows? But that's really it. They really can't, unless they trade other hitters, they're not going to be able to get more depth in that way, too. And the Yankees have had this problem with approach for a while when it comes to the postseason. Tons of strikeouts, including Aaron Judge, in that postseason. The Yankees had the, for a team that lasted as long in the playoffs as they did, the most strikeouts in MLB history by hitters in the postseason. And that's a big problem. Now, Longevity-wise, is going to be another question with nine years because Aaron Judge, of that body type, playing a lot of center field this year, too, that helped leverage in terms of getting him more money because he, center fielders are going to get a lot more than corner outfielders would. So if he just stayed in right field, does he get that kind of money? Maybe, but still, it, I think that definitely helped him playing center field. But he's not going to be able to do it the whole length of the contract, at least maybe not even for three years or something like that. So the Yankees are going to have to manage that kind of thing, too. And it proves that they're, this is their big swing. They're going for it now. They might get one more, but... They're committed to their kids besides that, and I don't think really any more besides that. They got Jason Dominguez, who could play center field down the road, so Aaron Judge doesn't have to do that. And for the veteran guys, most of them are in the infield. They could start trading those guys away. You These kids are so important. Yeah, you mentioned trading Torres as a possibility. I think they season. will. Yep. I think they will. And again, um, they didn't decide to trade Donaldson. I guess they're keeping him, but I mean, they still well, consider it. <laughs> nobody's going to take his contract. He has one more year left. I don't know if the Yankees are now going to want to pay him out the $25 million to just get rid of him. Yeah, they might just wait until in-season. If he gets hot for two months, maybe they trade him in May or something like that and get rid of his money then. Because the Yankees will still 
have injuries that they're going to have to manage, too. Look at all the pitching injuries they had last year, too. So they want to have some leeway money-wise to be able to make those kinds of trades, too. LeMahieu, I would keep him, but again, they could consider it because he's on a six-year deal and he's got three years left of that deal. So if they think Volpe might be ready and Peraza and Cabrera all at once, uh, they want to have the young infield all at once, maybe they consider that, too. I wouldn't, but again, it's worth something to look at if you can get the value for if you're Brian Cashman. The question is, here. here's how they get the value for nine years, $360 million. Win a championship. Yeah. They don't need to meet, they don't need to win two championships or multiple championships. They just need to win one. If they win one championship with Aaron Judge, that $360 million contract for nine years means absolutely nothing to them. You know why? Because they'll make all that money back. Yeah. With advertisements, playoff money, TV deals, all that bunch of stuff that they get when they win. So Aaron Judge obviously is committed to the Yankees. The Yankees are committed to him. If you sit back and, and you wonder if it was a good move for both both the player and the team, only time will tell. But I do believe that he was better off going on and moving on to San Francisco than staying with the Yankees because I believe the Yankees wanted to go to their youth, wanted to go to their youngsters in their farm system. And if they didn't work out this year, they can move on. They can decide maybe we make we make a big move we make a big trade in the offseason or then we we go all in on Soto all in on Otani maybe one of those guys i don't know but they put all their eggs in this basket and this basket is a big basket a 31 year old basket and a basket that has a lot of money in it and you're right. Maybe they felt Soto wasn't attainable at that point. Because I agree with you. I think he will. The Padres will bring him back. They didn't trade away four A grade prospects and two other players just to let him go after two years, unless he has injury issues or something like that. But still, he's been pretty durable throughout his career. For Otani, yeah, you're getting new ownership now with the Angels. They're going to be asking for a lot. He's had a thirty million dollar extension this year. This is the last year of his contract. So the Angels are going to try to move him, of course. But again, our team's going to want to take on that hefty of a price because the Angels. We've heard from many of our baseball guests have just a bad organizational flow when it comes to prospects. So they're going to try to rebuild it all in one trade if they do move Otani. Mm. Well, there's a lot to talk about with baseball. And and like I said, uh, Wilson Contreras, five years, $87.5 million contract to go to the Cardinals. Is that a lot of money for a catcher? Real Muto got more money. And if you look at Wilson Contreras' numbers to Real Muto, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. They're both pretty good offensive players. Real Moto has a little bit more power. Very good defensive player in Wilson Contreras. Is he out of here, Molina? He's not. No, but nobody is. Okay, so, but he's a good player. Uh, you add another bat to that lineup. I, I do believe the Cardinals will be a team that uh, we'll be reckoned with uh, in the National League this year again. Uh, they have two of the best players in the league, Nolan Arenado, and obviously the MVP of the National League, their first baseman, Mr. Goldschmidt. So, I, I mean, you look at the big picture right now and you look at where the Cardinals are and then you look at the Braves. They're, if they decide what they're doing with their shortstop or they decide to move on from their shortstop, they're still going to be an elite team. They have a, an elite farm system. They have elite pitching staff. And then Philadelphia adding, obviously, uh, a, a very good player, uh, one of the best shortstops in the league. 
I, and and Bryce Harper might miss half the season, but when he comes back, they're still going to be a competitive, contending team. And then there's the Mets. So, I, I mean, you look at all the big pictures, and, and, and listen, the Mets, I, do I like this Jose Quintana move? I think it's ridiculous, honestly. They're reaching. this, And that's all they're going to be doing. I, I'm telling you right now, for Josh Silverberg to sit back and tell me, I can't wait until the offseason. I can't wait until they make their moves. They lost their best pitcher and their best player in free agency. He goes to Texas. You add an old man, another old man, to their pitching staff. They have two 40-year-old starters, great starters in their prime, and they're both still fairly good right now. I mean, Verlander won a Cy Young last year, but he also played for the Houston Astros, okay? Me and you could probably win 16 games with that Houston Astros team. So... I, I mean, if you're a Met fan, you sit back and you say, hey, we got Max Scherzer. Hey, we got Justin Verlander. And we're happy about that after losing Jacob DeGrom. I, I don't know what to say. And you want to know something? Josh, I love you. I'm not going to attack you. But to sit here today and say, you to, to bring up that the good luck on that contract with the Yankees, I would have rather sign my guy than lose my guy to another team because he didn't want to be there. That's all I'm going to say. And that shows you the consistency of what the value is to be a Yankee and what not a value is to be a Met. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports Editorial Director Adam Silverstein here on the Sports Lab Mouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN. It's not working right now, but... You know, I'm going to give it to you. And Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is working on Android. So I, I will tell you that. So if you have an Android, go into your Play Store and put up Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is a fabulous app. Unfortunately, it's not working on one of them. But uh, we'll figure it out. Anyways, uh, very happy to have this guy on. Uh, definitely looking forward to interviewing him. We are now talking to CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports Editorial Director, Adam Silverstein. Adam, what's up, man? Hey, not much. Thanks, guys, for having me. I, you're talking to like 7% of your audience that has the Android devices, though. So the app's <laughs> working for a very, very small portion. Listen, right. I have an Android. I think <laughs> I would say about 50-50 of my friends have okay. Androids. Fair enough. You Fair know, enough. I, I mean, in America, there are more people that have Androids than they do of uh, Apples. So, you know, I, I think it's like 70-30 right now. Of Android's tab. No, that can't be right. I'm, we'll have to look up the number. Speedy, we'll look have up to the look number. That up. We will. Adam, I got my guy. He'll look it up. <laughs> we'll get the numbers. And you're a numbers right. guy. But uh, very happy to have you on before we get into it. How are you and your family doing? Happy holidays. How was your Thanksgiving? Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Uh, down here in uh, South Florida, we're all uh, New York transplants down here. I grew up here my entire life. And, uh, you know, normally good holiday season. I'm very heavily involved in the college football world so we just went through yep. you know the conference championship games and, and we're kind of moving into bowl season so it went from hectic to slightly more relaxing so things are going well well i Thanks hear i hear you're a yankee fan that's what i, I am mean. a yankee fan that is true 
How did you like that contract? The Yankees obviously giving Aaron Judge, their captain, will be declared their captain. Yes, he'll be declared their captain. He will. Uh, Obviously getting the nine-year, $360 million contract. I was one of those guys that did not think he was going back to the Yankees. I've been saying it for two years. He shocked me when I heard that this morning. He decided from, obviously, San Francisco and the Yankees, uh, not going home to the Bay Area and staying with uh, the New York Yankees and being the face of the New York Yankees moving forward for the next nine years. Well, first of all, we've got to shout him out. Greatest contract year in sports history, mm-hmm. right? Probably bar none, I would mm-hmm. say. You know, for me, it was always the Giants felt like a little bit of a red herring, something that he was kind of teasing with for negotiation reasons. Ultimately, he wanted to go back to New York. The number is one thing, you know, three hundred and sixty million dollars but that 360 million even though you're going to eat you know plenty of taxes in new york city uh that the value that comes with being a member of the new york yankees organization especially as you get into your later years 36 37 38 which unfortunately is not that far off from you know there's greater value beyond what the actual numbers in the contract are as far as the yankees you're signing judge for one reason and that's to win a world series you believe that he can be the centerpiece of your franchise And you can put enough people around him, enough pieces around him to make yourself a World Series team. The problem is the Yankees haven't done that in 13 years. Mm -hmm. And they just re-signed the guy who's orchestrated or or put those teams together for four more years. I'm much more concerned about giving Brian Cashman a four-year extension Mm -hmm. than I am giving Aaron Judge $40 million a year. Is it a lot of money? It's a lot of money. I'll worry about it six years down the line when they try to figure out what the hell they're going to do with the last $120 million over those final three years. Adam, they've been torturing Brian Cashman for the last couple of years. This guy, is nothing, he's done nothing but win. Now, obviously, haven't won a championship for 13 years since 2009, and that's understandable. It's not easy to win World Series. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're very hard to win. And, and with being that you're in the American League, you're in the American League East, you're playing the Blue Jays about 16 times a year, you're playing the Red Sox 16, mm-hmm. 15 times a year, and the Tampa Bay Rays and then the Orioles are getting better. This is the hardest division in baseball. So I understand what you're saying. Brian Cashman is a winner. He was a guy that George Steinbrenner handpicked. Now, everybody says the game has gone past him. I don't believe that. Derek Jeter, uh, who I, I, I'm not a big fan of, but he has come out and said that the game has not passed him. Uh, as a matter of fact, the game has really tra- you know, changed and transcended through him and what he has done for the game and really where the game is going. And, and, and really, Brian Cashman was the one that really transitioned the relief, the, the bullpen, building the bullpen, the eight or nine guys in the bullpen. And, and that's what has built – you know, the Mariano Rivera's of the world, the, the, the Wetlands and all the guys at Nelson's and Stanton's and all the guys that have been in the bullpen for years. And now even with the bullpen, which, by the way, was hurt in the second half of the season. This was the mm-hmm. number one bullpen in all of baseball. It wasn't even close. And then in the second half, they were dealing with injuries and they fell apart. And, and you saw that in the playoffs. So I, I don't understand. I, I, I want to know your take on why you think – Brian Cashman shouldn't have gotten an extension for four years. Well, a lot of what you kind of gave as proof of Cashman succeeding was eight, nine, 10, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago at this point. And it really becomes a question of what have you done for me lately? And the, the Yankees have built, they, they claim to have built this fantastic analytics department, but they can't win two games against the Astros when it, when it actually matters, right? They, they claim that they have all these, correct pieces within their scouting organization. And yet 
when it comes to the trade deadline, they can't figure out the right pieces or Brian Cashman can't figure out the right pieces to add to the team to actually make them a World Series contender. Do I think Brian Cashman shouldn't work in baseball anymore? No, I'm not saying that. But at some point, when your tenure with a team stops becoming fruitful, you don't have the same level of success that you used to, it may be best for all parties to switch. And you have to look at, well, what was Cashman doing under George? And what's Cashman doing now? under how and the restrictions look the Yankees still spend a ton of money I'm not saying they don't but there's still restrictions that Hal is putting on him from a budgetary standpoint that are not allowing him to perhaps do some of the things that he's done best in the past so you know I appreciate as someone who is a Yankee supporter and has been my entire life I appreciate everything that Brian Cashman has done for the organization but I haven't seen the fruits of that labor recently and it's been a very long period of time. You know, it, a couple of years, three, four, five, six years, you're not getting to the ALCS or whatever. It's been 13 years since they have not been back to the World Series. And in many of those seasons, you could never really say they're the favorites to go this year. Oh, they just slipped up. They lost in seven games in the ALCS. They got blown out by the Astros this year, and it's happened before. So that's where we get to the point where we say, Brian Cashman, thanks a lot. It's been great. We need to go in a different direction. So the judge contract itself, nine years, definitely a, a, something longer than expected for a guy who's 31 years old. Do you th- yeah. Are you surprised that the Yankees uh, matched that offer with the Giants and, and did that? And do you think, is that something that would go exception of the rule of what Brian Cashman and, and Hal Steinbrenner, either restrictions you said, what, is that yeah. the exception to that? It seems to be. And, and the question is, does that now hamstring them going forward, right? They say, okay, we're going to spend the money on, on judge. But now you don't have this 10 or 20 or 30 million that you were otherwise going to get to spend on these players. I think the Yankees had to re-sign Judge. Judge had to re-sign with the Yankees. That, I, I believe it was always going to happen. He and his agent just played it perfectly. He got the years he wanted. He got the money he wanted. Now it's how do you make it work? Uh, do I think it was a little bit too much? Yeah, but I think all of these contracts are too much. Like Justin Verlander getting $43 million a year. All these other guys getting massive, massive contracts for a sport that, I mean, the money must still be there and the TV rights, I guess, keep going up because live sports is the one thing that still generates revenue through television, right? But you look at these contracts and and the the way they balloon year after year after year, if you're going to give $40 million a year to anyone, it's a guy who came, what, five points within a triple crown, Mm -hmm. right? He came that freaking close and he has the ability to maybe not perform at that same level for the next nine years, but probably for the next four or five, that's the guy you give that kind of contract to. Very interesting. As everybody knows, we are talking to CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports Editorial Director Adam Silverstein. The Yankees, I do believe, are still in it for Rendon. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people think that they are. He, they're the favorites of getting him. I, I, I do believe that he, he grew up a pinstripe fan. Um, I don't know if that's going to sell to him if, if the Yankees wanted – Five years, thirty-six million instead of six or seven. I do believe he's going to get close to six, seven years. This is a power lefty. They're hard to find, and lefties usually last longer than righties. When you look at the Yankees as a whole, they're not. They're probably going to have to keep Donaldson because he was horrible last year, and yeah. nobody's going to want that contract for another year. Uh, they have him for one more year. The guy that really stands out that you can trade him where he's could he could be worth something to a lot of different teams is Glaber Torres and Glaber Torres did not look good in the playoffs. He he's been a good playoff hitter really his whole career, but in the ALCS when the Yankees needed him the most and the Yankees got the lead against the Astros, I think it was in Game Four, he absolutely choked and he made a lot of mistakes. 
defensive errors. This guy went from shortstop to second baseman to shortstop to second baseman. He doesn't know his position, just like Gary Sanchez doesn't know his position. What do the Yankees do? Do they trade him? They've got Pereza. they got Volpe coming up. They have a Cabrera that can play multiple positions. They have a bunch, a slew of great young players. Do they trade Gleyber Torres this offseason? You know, I think it happens either this offseason or at some point in the season before the trade deadline. You're at a position where you're the Yankees, where you're simultaneously trying to justify this judge contract and say we're trying to win now. Yet, as you just mentioned, you have those two prospects. And you're like, we got to get them up to the roster and we got to get them playing on the field. And look, second base, shortstop, you can move guys around, right? If you need, those guys are talented enough where they can figure it out at one of those positions. So I, I think you probably say, hey, you know what? Let's go into the season with him. If he starts hot, then maybe a couple teams are interested. We sprinkle him out there and we try to bring these guys up. But I don't know. Look, they have to fix basically the entire left side of their infield and their outfield. They need a left fielder. They need third, short, they need to figure everything out for the most part, and they need pitching. And I don't know that they're going to be able to get all of it in the offseason. So I focus on the pitcher. I get a batter. I re-sign a couple guys, Benintendi maybe, something like that. And then I look to trade him during the season. That's probably what I would expect to happen. I don't know that there's enough interest right now. So we mentioned in the segment before you came on that uh, they're right now the favorites for Carlos Rodon. Do you see that kind of thing being realistic with the Yankees right at the brink of the luxury tax? Or do you see maybe a trade more likely, as, uh, like with the Brewers pitchers or somebody like that? Well, that that's the thing. Like, if George owned the team, I would say, of course they're getting him. Well, like, what, what are we even talking about? But with Hal, I don't know what those conversations are with Cashman. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I need that ninth year. We got to go to 40. All right, well, you're going to have to your limits here for the next free agent you want to go, whether it's a donor or whether it's someone else. So I don't really have that answer. I, I think there's a lot of questions surrounding what the Yankees do from here on out in these meetings and elsewhere in the off season. But again, if they want to win and some of the moves they've made over the last couple of years, I'm not saying that they're not trying to win. Of course they are, but they aren't necessarily taking the steps that they would have under George to go out and win a world series. If they want to do that and they want to say, Hey, we signed judge. We're going all in then you sign that guy. No question about it. And I, I agree with you. And I think one way or another, I think the Yankees are going to get him. He's seeking a six-year deal that says over here two days ago, I think the Yankees right now, and right now the Yankees are saying, a lot of people are saying the Yankees are the favorites of getting him. That's what they're saying. There's a lot of smoke. Yeah, yes. Sure. And, and usually when you hear that, it means more than likely that could happen. Now they're, Except they're, for Arson Judge and the Giants. That was yes. the yes. <laughs> now the Rangers obviously got Jacob DeGrom. A lot of Mets fans were very upset about this. And now I'm hearing that they're also in on Carlos Rondon. If, if this happens, are they a contender this year? I know obviously with Simeon, who didn't have a good season last year, uh, they added the star shortstop. Uh, and, and now you add Jacob DeGrom and now Carlos Rondon. I mean, you have a pretty good one-two punch. You have a, a really good pitching staff. I mean, this pitching staff's young, but very good. You had these two guys to your pitching staff. And, and maybe you had a sprinkler here off, you know, with, with a batter here, uh, a bat or two here. I mean, they could be contender in a very easy, in a division that only has one team, the Astros. Everybody keeps saying Seattle. Seattle, Seattle has to prove it to me two years in a row. Mm -hmm. I, I know everybody loves this Castilla kid, but what was it, two years ago? In Cincinnati, he was horrible, okay? He looked good one year, he looks bad the next. He looks good one year, he looks bad the next. He had a great year when he was traded to Seattle. We'll see what he does with this new contract. Where do you see this American League going? 
uh, going into the season? I mean, you know, it, it's the easiest thing to say that I like Houston, and I still do, right? There, there's no question about it. They probably need to come in as the favorites. Regarding the Rangers in particular, I mean, they were 35-ish mm. games back of the Astros last year, and having to play them that frequently, you want to talk about the AL East. I'm not saying the West is, is comparable in terms of, like, historically or anything like that. But, you know, you have Houston at the top of the division. You have Seattle sitting there. How much better are the Rangers going to get in a win-loss situation adding those names and hoping they all come together in the same year you even look at you know i go, I go back to the yankees just because it's my best frame of reference when it comes to baseball i have slid out of baseball a lot over the last few years but you know you add a rod to the team you don't win in year one it takes a while to kind of get all those pieces together figure out how you want to build your lineup build your uh, rotation all that type of stuff so you know i do think the rangers have an opportunity to make drastic improvements as they should given the names that they added are they going to be a contender right away? No. Probably not. No. As everybody knows, we are talking to CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports Editorial Director Adam Silverstein. Let's get into college football. That is your bread and butter. And uh, the the games, the championship games were very surprising. TCU loses a game mm-hmm. where a, a lot of people thought they should have won against Kansas State. Um they were obviously lucky, even though losing one game, they were undefeated all season long. They beat three top 15 uh, programs, and that's probably why they're in this, you know, this round four Robin, whatever they call this, this playoff, <laughs> this 14 playoff. Uh, It'll be 12 soon. Yes, thank God. I mean, 12 soon, yeah. <laughs> thank God. But And then, obviously, USC, who I believe has the – I believe has the Heisman Trophy winning Caleb Williams, who played on one leg in the second half of the game. What an unbelievable showing for him, and it only mm-hmm. helps him next year to if he can win back-to-back Heismans, and he'll be the number one pick next year, no question whatsoever. USC falls out. They lose, and then you have Ohio State. Somehow they sneak in, and mm-hmm. they have a very good chance right now to go into this game against Georgia, and everybody has Georgia winning it. They're, they're the... They're the head favorite to winning the whole thing. Do you think Ohio State deserves to be their one? And two, do you think they can compete with Georgia and beat Georgia in a big game? So uh, first question, do they deserve to be there? Yeah, absolutely they do. When you look at the, the way the college football season unfolded, right, there were three undefeated teams all the way until the last week of the season. Two of them remained undefeated. So you have Georgia and Michigan. They're in the playoff, no question. There's no argument there. TCU is the third. They lost in overtime by three. And you look back at that game and you say, you have this quarterback, Max Duggan, who anyone who watched that game knows that guy spilled his guts out on the field, literally, right? Mm -hmm. Um, No air left in his body. And you're on the goal line and he doesn't touch the ball. It, It just doesn't make sense. So they should be undefeated, but they go into that game with as good a season almost as anyone else. The only other one loss team in FBS football is the Ohio state Buckeyes. Their only loss is to the number two team in the country, Michigan. So do they deserve to get in? They absolutely do. Ohio state entered the season for many. They were the favorites to win it all. They had an absolutely incredible wide receiver room, a great running back room and who a player who many thought could be the Heisman trophy winner, in C.J. Stroud, definitely a finalist and well-deserving. He, he had a fantastic season. But now, as this year kind of progressed, they lost their number one receiver. They lost their number one running back. And they're still electric offensively. But we saw some of those holes, especially on the defensive end of the yeah. field, up against Michigan. So do they deserve to get in? Yes. 
can they beat Georgia? It's going to be tough, right? I don't have the, the odds in front of me. I don't know how much uh, Georgia's favored by, but if it's a touchdown or less, they deserve that. Georgia is the reigning national champions, now the defending national champions coming into this. Still have a stellar defense despite losing uh, 15 players off their national championship team last year. Most of them on the defensive side of the ball, a ton of them in the first round. Stetson Bennett, I mean, you know, people like to clown on this guy, right? He's a walk-on. He only got the starting job because other people got injured. Meanwhile, he won a national championship last year, and the guy's slinging it like all hell this year. So Georgia deserves to be the favorite. They deserve to be the number one seed. Ohio State is a live dog in that game. They absolutely can beat Georgia. Am I going to predict it? Am I going to pick that? Probably not. <laughs> that is flip phone legend Stetson Bennett, keep in mind, too. Flip phone legend. Speaking he he switched. I think he got an iPhone, by the way. Hold on one second. Yeah. Speaking of phone, he was carrying around a <laughs> bottle of Don Juan, what was it, like a $2,000 bottle of champagne when he won a championship, a national championship. So yeah. I, I give him a lot of credits, and I, I like the kid, and a lot of people say, that football is not even in his background. He doesn't even see himself playing football in the NFL. He's mm-hmm. more of he's he's a scholar, smart guy, educated yep. guy, and believes that he's going to. I think he said. I think I I read he wants to be a lawyer. Mm. So very yeah. interesting. Speaking, yeah. speaking of phones, here's the here's the number percentages. Uh, Apple Apple. There's 53 percent of smartphone owners are Apple. Samsung, Android are 26, and uh, Lenovo 12. LG three and others six percent. So okay, so, so is, way less than I thought, but way more than you thought. So we're we're right in the middle. <laughs> so okay. where, where where we are? Uh, what is it, Troy? So uh, Samsung slash Android is twenty six percent. Apple's fifty three percent among smartphone owners. Really, but only fifty three. Not not a vast majority, which is what I was interesting earlier. So interesting. Right in the middle of and now sets invented is apparently one of those fifty three now. There yes, you go. Yes. Very small samples. Uh, speaking of sets invented, that actually translates to my next question nicely. A lot of people, including myself, were surprised that he was the last of the Heisman finalists. With with Doug and Stroud and Caleb Williams, I thought Hedden mm-hmm. Hooker should have got that spot. Do you think that that way too? And also, do you think that there were maybe some non quarterbacks that could have gotten some nominees? Yeah, I don't know what Blake Corum of Michigan had to do, but what else did you need from this guy? Except he ran over every single team that he faced until he got hurt and couldn't do it anymore. So, look, the Heisman has. I'm 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 not saying it's impossible for another position to win. It's happened, right? I think Devonta Smith, right, a couple of years ago, yeah, two years wide ago. receiver won. Running backs can certainly win the award, but it number one has become an offensive playmaker award. If you're not an offensive playmaker, you're not going to get a shot to win. But it's really become a quarterback award more than anything else. So I was shocked that Quorum wasn't there. Candidly, Hendon Hooker just as deserving, in my opinion, more deserving than Stetson Bennett, just given what he had put on film over the course of that entire year. There is something to be said, though, for finishing out the year and leading your team to a completely undefeated season and an SEC championship. And that is what Stenson Bennett did. So he's not undeserving of being there. It's just I really would have liked to have seen Quorum in particular, but Hendon Hooker there as well, for sure. Who do you think wins the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, you you nailed it earlier. Caleb Williams. Um, You saw it, right? Those last three games that he put together at UCLA against Notre Dame and then against Utah – In that first quarter, I think three touchdowns, he had that crazy-ass run, the run where he pulled his hamstring, Mm -hmm. and then over the remainder of the game, did he suck? Yeah, he was playing on one leg. What do you want this guy to do, right? He was still out there gutting it out. That's like the definition of of what that award is. It's putting it all on the line, Mm -hmm. and Max Duggan did too in the the Big 12 championship game. He was incredible, but Caleb Williams, he's been doing it all year, and if you actually look at like his game log and you see when did he play or how did he play against the best opponents that he faced – Utah, early in the season, I think he had five touchdowns. Those final three games I just mentioned, he had 11 touchdowns. And 
one interception, maybe two, something like that. Mm. He's your best player of the year. He's the Heisman Trophy winner, and he's the number one overall pick next year. No question. Yeah, they definitely lose that game because I hit. It was a 43-42. It wasn't him. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about the uh, the other thing, the coaching carousel that's been going on. A lot of big names that are got, gotten moved. Matt Rule got a big contract at Nebraska. Hugh Freeze, mm-hmm. very controversial one. And then Deion Sanders recently, too. So How do you like that Matt that? Rule contract? Do you like that? Uh, it's a lot of money, but Nebraska is – you have to remember, it's a, it's a legendary all-time college football program that has been anything but on the field for a long, <laughs> long time. And they hired the one guy – who has proven at multiple stops that he can turn around college football programs. So if you're going to do it, you need to go all in, not just with the head coach contract, with the assistant salary pool, your NIL, all that type of stuff. So I think it was the perfect hire for Nebraska. And you do what you need to do these days. There's no salary cap in college football, especially for coaches. You do what you need to do to get that guy. He now has NFL bona fides as well, given the fact he wasn't good in the league. I mean, he was, arguably the worst coach in the league or one of them, Uh, but he has the bona fides of having coach there and knowing what it takes to get to the NFL. You do whatever you can to hire Matt rule. They did. And I think it's going to work out for Nebraska. Deion Sanders, Colorado, like it, like it. Um, Another program in Colorado that has that extended history in the past and just hasn't been able to realize it in the present for numerous reasons, university reasons, monetary reasons um, with the football program and and how much investment the university puts into it. And they just decided, or someone, maybe it was a booster decided, I'm sick of this. We want to have winning football again. Now we're going to go after the splashiest name that we can get. Is it the best coach they can get? Time's going to tell, right? Certainly what he's done at Jackson state has been incredibly impressive, raising the profile, not just of that program, but HBCUs, in totality, and he's delivered basically on every single promise that he made for Jackson State. Is it going to work at Colorado and at a Power Five? I don't know, but I'll tell you, it's been what three days, and I'm super entertained by it. So I'm ready to see it. At worst, Colorado is going to get a lot of really talented kids on its roster. There's going to be a number of really high quality assistant coaches that join that program because they're going to get paid really well. And if Dion doesn't work out as a head coach, or if something happens, well, if they make that change, they have a stacked roster and some pretty good assistance that they can probably pull from. But I do think uh, Colorado, it's been a morbid program. It just hasn't figured out a way to win in this modern era of college football. And in college football, it all starts. The number one asset is talent, talent acquisition. It's the one thing that Deion Sanders absolutely, without question, can do. So is he the right man for the job? Yes. Is it going to work? I, 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 keep, I, I hate to keep ending all my answers with questions, but I just don't know if it's going to work. Um, they're more than anywhere else. I'm much more confident in like Nebraska, for example, than I am Colorado, but I'm excited to see what happens. With the How about the sure. Badgers? Does Fickle really change that, uh, that program? Does Fickle make this team a championship competitive team, a national championship competitive team? Yeah. Wisconsin is, they're just in that really interesting spot in the big 10 and, you know, divisions may go away soon, but they're able to dominate largely that West division, just by the investment in the program, the talent that they get and bringing in a coach like Luke Fickle, who is made to coach in the big 10 and certainly has always wanted to be a head coach in the big 10. It's really the right move to take a program that goes up and down pretty consistently and hasn't been able to really keep a a, a strong level of performance since Brett Bielema left. uh, I think for Arkansas, it was at the time uh, to bring in someone like Fickle they're bringing in like that equivalent, that Big Ten guy who may not win in year one. It may take a couple, 
but I do think he's going to get them to where they need to be. It's also really smart for them to go after Fickle now. Look, we don't know what's going to happen with Ohio State. If they happen to lose to Michigan again next year, like if, if they lose in the playoff semi, right, especially if it's bad, and then they lose to Michigan next year, there's a non-zero chance that they fire Ryan Day. Like mm-hmm. the Ohio State fan base is not going to accept losing to Michigan three years in a row, not winning Big Ten titles and not getting in or winning college football playoffs. And if they did that and Luke Fickle was still at Cincinnati, they would have immediately gone after Luke Fickle. Now that he's in Wisconsin, that becomes a lot more difficult. And I would assume the buyout is crazy. So Wisconsin struck. They got the guy that Ohio State probably would have gotten. And it should work out pretty well for them. So I'll sift to the NFL now. Uh, we saw two quarterbacks get hurt this past week. Uh, Jimmy G, not a season-ending injury. He might come back in the playoffs, maybe in the second round of the playoffs. And then Lamar Jackson as well. So what are your thoughts on the injury impact for those two teams, both contending teams? Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy, I, I'm, a, I'm a Dolphin supporter. I live in South Florida, so I was on the losing end of that game. And I saw what Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy did to a Dolphins defense that isn't great by any means, but isn't bad. Yeah relatively tore them apart. Uh, so I think San Francisco, plus the way they run their offense through the running game and they use Debo so creatively, they have Christian McCaffrey. They have so many uh, great pieces from a playmaking standpoint, George Kittle, obviously, that if you need to bring in a different quarterback, whether it's for four weeks, apparently Garoppolo can come back in seven or eight weeks, they're saying. Who knows if San Francisco will even be playing in seven or eight weeks, hopefully for them that they are. Um, but if you need someone to come in and manage a game and you have those pieces with a creative coach like Kyle Shanahan leading the charge, then I liked what I saw from Brock Purdy. I liked it a lot. Now, the Dolphins probably didn't watch any film on him, but still, I liked what he did. Uh, over with Ravens and Tyler Huntley stepping in for Lamar Jackson, L- Lamar had been falling off. I L- Lamar has been my starting quarterback in fantasy all year. Lamar has been falling off the last like five, six weeks. He's just not getting it done. And their offense seems to be stuck in a rut. So, Bringing Tyler Huntley in certainly isn't going to make it any better. I don't think it's really going to make it that much worse. Uh, So the Ravens prospects in the playoffs or doing anything this year, whether it's with Lamar, whether it's with Huntley, I don't know that they're that great. San Francisco, I think they're going to be okay. I don't think that Purdy's going to suddenly steal the job from Jimmy G, but he proved capable in his one opportunity so far. And again, they have those other pieces where you say, hey, how big of a deal is it with their defense being as great as it is? And those playmakers... Purdy can win a lot of games with them. We are talking to CBS Sports 24-7 Sports Editorial Director Adam Silverstein. Uh, we're in New York. The Jets have been the talk of the town. It's been a big story here ever since uh, Mr. I'm-going-to-be-taking-receipts spoke out. This team has figured out how to win. This defense has been one of the elite defenses in the league. Some people say the number one defense in all of football, the way they've played. Uh, they've been outstanding. Offensively, it didn't work out for Zach Wilson. I, I've listened to a lot of analysts over the last couple of days say that the Jets should have him as the backup. He should not be sitting on the bench right now because it makes him look bad. It makes the organization look bad on what they believe he is as a quarterback moving forward. And and Flacco, the old man that he is, he should be sitting on the bench and being the quarterback somewhat coach. But he's not. He's the second guy. Mike White's looked really, really good. Uh, he's in both those games. He's heading to Buffalo. The last time we saw Mike White play Buffalo, four interceptions. Is Mike White the guy moving forward? Is this guy going to help this team make the playoffs this year? A year, really, 
faster than they thought they were going to be. It was next year where everybody thought they were going to contend and be as dominant as they were this year in certain aspects. I think next year they're going to be even better. They're going to be scary good next year. So where are the where are the Jets? Are they in the middle of the pack? Do they make the playoffs? Are they for real? Well, first off, shout out to Robert Sala because he's <laughs> done a great job turning this program great around. Coach, yes, uh, he's doing a great job as a head coach. Great job as a defensive leader. I know he has a coordinator, but he still really leads that defense. And also just the general manager and the entire uh, talent organization picking the guys they picked, being able to get Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall. I mean, that's incredible, right? To get two guys Garrett that Wilson caliber. In, uh, sorry, who'd you say? Garrett Wilson in two. Oh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, all in one draft to be able to get that. It's absolutely incredible. And I hate to say that as a Dolphin supporter, as I just said. Uh, regarding your actual question, though, with Mike White. Look, um, Zach Wilson's done. It, you know, should he be second string? Should he be third string? I do agree he should be the backup because you never know, right? What kind of internal motivation might there be? That guy standing on the sideline, seeing Mike White starting for the team instead of him. Mike White gets hurt. Uh, he has to come out because of concussion concerns or whatever the case might be. You throw him in, maybe it lights a fire under his ass. You have to give him that kind of opportunity, like a last-ditch type of situation to say, hey, we're not going to completely give up on this guy yet because Joe Flacco being in that spot isn't doing you any good. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think Joe Flacco is about to go out and do better than Zach Wilson would be and, and take you to the playoffs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid for the Jets that Mike White gets injured mm-hmm. regarding Mike White himself. He's a backup quarterback in mm-hmm. the NFL. He, he's not a starter. Uh, the Jets have a lot of great pieces. As we just mentioned, their number one concern going into 2024 is finding a starting quarterback, whether that's through trade free agency or the draft, they need to do that. Mike White. Can he get them to the playoffs this year? I think it's certainly possible just because the guy he has that dog in him, right? He's not scared to throw the ball down the field and try to make some plays. However, in some games, that leads to 325 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. And in others, it leads to 300 yards and four interceptions. And you're not going to win against quality teams if you have a guy that's going to make mistakes to that level. I think we have six games of evidence uh, in terms of Mike yes. White, and it's yeah. a mixed bag. I, th- I think two really good games for games that look up look like a backup NFL quarterback. I think it's and that's three, largely what he I is. think it's three and three. I think uh maybe that's fair. Yeah, it was three and three and and even last game against Minnesota, the Jets should have won that game. They, and I'm not gonna sit here and say they should have won that game. Uh it was just bad play calling. I do not like Mike LaFleur. Uh, he has made a tremendous amount of mistakes. How many times were they in the red zone uh, against Minnesota and they were on the doorstep uh, doorstep to put the ball in the end zone and they couldn't do it? They couldn't do it because, hey, they're on the one-yard line and they decided to throw it three times. It reminds me of one guy and one guy only, the same guy that he worked under, Kyle Shanahan, who, by the way, didn't win as the offensive coordinator for Atlanta, thank you to the Patriots, and then True. did the same thing against Kansas City in the Super Bowl when they were up by 10 with six minutes left against the Kansas City Chiefs. So he stopped running the ball. His strength, the same thing with Mike LaFleur. What is it with these guys? It doesn't make any sense. Again, and it's not just NFL. It's college too. I just mentioned, right, with TCU, Sonny Dykes, the uh, CBS Sports Coach of the Year. Everyone's giving him huge praise. Max Duggan dominating the entire game. They get to the goal line in overtime. They have four plays. This guy who is a running Quarterback, what's the most what's the most successful play right now in football? Quarterback, quarterback sneak, sneak. yeah. It, it, it converts all the time. They're on the one or two, something like that. He didn't touch it at all. I mean, he held, he handed it off a couple times, but that's it. He, he, he didn't have this guy run the ball, do a bootleg, maybe throw it, anything. They didn't give it to him. So 
you can be the greatest coach and it's NFL and it's college. It doesn't matter. You can be the greatest coach makes genius play calls all the time. And yet you do things like that. You do the Pete Carroll where you throw <laughs> on the goal line for some reason, even though you have Marshawn Lynch, the best running back in football that year. It just, it doesn't make any you sense. You have a six foot five quarterback that all he had to do is reach over the defensive line. And, and you decide to throw the ball three times. You know what I would do? If I was Robert Sala, I'd kick down my desk. I'd have Mike LaFleur in that room, and I'd sit him down like a little baby and say, I'm going to send you with your pampers back to your brother. Freaking figure this out. We're better than this. We should have beaten Minnesota in Minnesota. We should be heading back right now to Buffalo, uh, excited, being 8-4, and four, and ready to make the play for first playoff berth since I don't know when, 10 years ago. Okay, it, it, it's the longest playoff drought in any it, it, on any it, in any. Uh, I'm sorry, from any football team in the whole NFL. So it it makes me sick to my stomach. I cannot sit and watch this offense anymore. And if they do that in Buffalo, Buffalo will eat them apart. And by the way, Von Miller's out for the season, yeah. so that's good news for the Jets and the Dolphins. Yes, and your and, Dolphins. And I'm, just yeah. add, I'm just adding that in there. It's <laughs> and the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, have, you have to make sure of that. It's not just the Jets. Show. I mean, that's, oh, no, no. Really, good, really good news for us. That could hurt That could hurt the Buffalo Bills. It oh, could, yeah. Absolutely. It could absolutely hurt the Buffalo Bills. And I think it's going to hurt the Buffalo Bills because he has been the, the more dominant piece uh, for their defense in the first five or six games. And without him in that lineup, it absolutely – you're depending on young players to get at mm-hmm. the quarterback. And, and you saw the Jets – the Jets have a veteran offensive line. Besides, I mean, Elijah Vertuck is not there. Herbig, veteran. You look at Dwayne Brown, veteran. All those guys are veterans. A font, a veteran. That's a McGovern. They're all veterans. So they know what to do, and they know how to pass block and protect their quarterback. So I, I think it doesn't bode well. And, and I, this could be uh, – I don't know. A lot of people think that the Jets can't go into Buffalo and win. I, I'm telling you right now, this is, is going to be a very – Close game and Josh Allen isn't hundred percent. Yeah, no, the the Bills they still have that. I don't know what it is. It's they have that level of talent and they have a, a great coach. Should be one of those top two or three teams in the AFC. And then Josh Allen gets into the red zone, or there's a situation where they need to make a comeback and they're just not necessarily able to finish it off. So the Bills, to me, I don't want to say they're fool's gold. I don't want to get people angry who are Bills fans mm-hmm. listening or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're fool's but gold. I just don't know that the Bills have what it takes to go through the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl the way they're currently constructed with the way, in particular, that Josh Allen is playing. We've seen bad Josh Allen. He made a great play on Thursday night, you know, running to the sideline. Unbelievable. Crazy throw for that. It was great. It was the best red zone play he's made of the entire season. But like the four prior weeks, he's turned the ball over like six times in the red zone. And he just keeps coughing it up. And you know how I know that? Because I bet on the bills a lot and I lost (laughs) a lot of money doing it. Okay. And they shouldn't be losing those games. Mm. So, you know, you have the chiefs super talented. The Bengals seem to be figuring things out. Yeah. I am going to shout out the Miami dolphins. It was a hiccup against the 49ers, but they've been playing incredibly. They have, uh, And they, I think they're built really to take down the bills. They do a lot of things that the bills aren't really able to defend. And with Von Miller out having uh, Eric Fisher that they just signed and turn Armstead, if he gets healthy, having those two veteran guys, all of a sudden, the Dolphins look like a potential winner of the AFC East, and the Jets are right there too. So the way the end of this season transpires, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the Dolphins and Jets with the Bills falling off. I, no, I, doubt I don't that's think so either. Be the case. 
But I do think that the Jets have a chance to win any game that All three they're teams in, are despite making the, playoffs. the issues that they have right now. All three teams are making the playoffs. Eric Fisher is a good awesome. signing, too, because he's got a lot of experience, too, with the Chiefs. That could definitely I couldn't even believe he was available. Yeah. I was very excited about Yeah, that. he had a bad year last year with the Colts, so nobody wanted to sign him, and Miami gave him a shot after that. So, yeah. Yeah, well, they're in dire straits, so, you know. Yeah, I, who's more I was, motivated? I was, than I was very concerned with their offensive line at the beginning of the season, as it was. I did not think they would be the Dolphins. I, I didn't think the Dolphins would make the playoffs at the start of the year. I had them under five hundred, oh. and their offensive Listen, line man, has been very I, good. There was there were no expectations of anything yeah. for me to start the season. <laughs> so, it's, it's very interesting to be a Dolphin supporter here in South Florida, a team that has not given us hope for an extended period of time. I and mean, we, we had the wildcat year and that was cool, but yes. everyone knew to want to talk about fool's gold. That was fool's gold. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was going away. And we've had a couple players here and there that mm. you can get excited about, but the whole thing hasn't really come together. I think this is the first time the dolphins have the quarterback and the coach. Mm. Mike McDaniel is that dude. And I think everyone's just super excited. Again, what the potential is for this team. There were no expectations to do much of anything this year. They almost seem like a surefire playoff team, maybe even a team that's almost certainly going to get to the second round. Yeah. And then you say, okay, what about year two with all these guys? So I'm really excited for 2024, but this year it's just cake. Like every single week, seeing them perform the way they're performing, it's pretty exciting to live down here in so, South Florida. So where do you rank them in the AFC right now? I, I, and do you think they can win the division now with Buffalo having all Top four injuries? team, I think they're in the Top AFC four, yeah, yeah, top four. Top four? Uh, okay, Chiefs, Chiefs, probably the Bills ahead until they're not – um, Bengals and Dolphins. Bengals, okay. right there. I don't, I, I don't think the Bengals are there either. I think I the Bengals talent wise are there, but the Dolphins are better coaching. I think than the Bengals. T three. I think yeah. they're tied there. They have the, the Bengals have the experience. Uh, the Dolphins are figuring it out. The question is really, I think the, the Bengals are so how, overrated. How are they going to bounce back this mm. week? Because uh, you know they lost to the 49ers, bad loss. They stayed out in California. Now they're playing the Chargers, and the talk through his entire career has been Tua versus Justin Herbert. And they got a chance to now go head to head on Sunday night football. If the dolphins bounce back, it's going to tell you a lot about them as a franchise. I think they win that game by double digits. I think the dolphins will win. I I think they'll knock out the chargers. The chargers will be done after that because there's no way they're making the playoffs, especially when you have the jets. They're two games ahead of you. You have the Patriots six and six, and I can't see the Patriots winning, but losing back to back games, even though the Patriots schedule is hard. Their next couple mm-hmm. of weeks are going to be hard. They're going to play the Bengals too. As gotta play the Bills. Yep. They got to play the Bills and they got to play the Bengals. Yeah. You know, so yeah, they, the, the Patriots, they got all of a sudden a reputation like within the last couple of weeks before this past week against the Bills. The great defense, Bill Belichick's figured everything out. They were playing nobodies. Mm-hmm. They were beating up on, on children for the most part. Now they're facing a meaty schedule starting with the Bills. And you saw what happened. They got exposed they would have, on Thursday. They would have, I don't think the Patriots are anything. They would have the never Bears. beaten the Jets if they had a quality quarterback throwing the ball. They would have never won in, in MetLife. And they, mm-hmm. had, they would have had no chance of winning that game against the Jets in, in, in New England if they had Mike White throwing the ball in that game. Are, okay? Are, it, it's just – and I feel bad for Zach. I really do because I think the Jets haven't done him right. Uh, they didn't put the right offensive coordinator. They haven't put the right quarterback. I would have reached out to Kurt Warner. I would have reached out to one of these veteran ex-quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and say, listen, come on the sidelines, help our young kid figure things out in his second year, and then you you know, you know, can leave at the end of the year. We, we need this kid to figure it out, and he just can't. He can't comprehend. And maybe it's his ADD or something like that. Maybe he just he can't comprehend the offense. It's too hard to understand, which I've heard about Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's very hard hard to comprehend it's so much it's so many moving pieces in the offense it's not like what he did in in BYU spread the offense and throw the ball down the field and shimmy 
and try to move in. And he played crap in BYU. And I said that. I like Zach Wilson. I thought he was going to be a pretty good prospect. What scared me is he didn't play in a in a, in a top end division. He didn't beat. He didn't play in the SEC like um, you know Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence uh, it, playing for Clemson and winning a national championship and winning a Heisman. None of it. He's he did nothing, and that's what scared me about him. And now moving forward, I don't think the Jets are giving up on him. I, they can't. It, it would it would make them look really bad as an organization if they do. Even though they're winning and they have the team to to build around, I believe no matter what happens at the end of this season, even if they make the playoffs with Mike White, Mike White is a free agent. If he has a good, if he if he plays well all the way into the playoffs, somebody's going to bring him in. Somebody is going to say, you know what? We'll we'll take a fly on him. We'll give him five million a year, six million. We'll bring him in. I, the guys that I'm looking at in the offseason is bringing a veteran guy, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, one of these guys that can help this kid sit him on the bench for the next two or three years. He's young enough. Let him sit on the bench and let him learn from a real quarterback, a quarterback that understands an offense. Okay? He doesn't. And you can see deer in the headlights. You see he looks at one guy, then he looks at the other, and he throws to the one guy. Everybody is reading his first read. And that's why he hasn't looked good. It's first read, second and third. I don't know where to throw. I'm throwing it away. And by the way, he can't even throw it away because he's so flabbergasted. <laughs> Going back to your earlier part, the Patriots defense really can't Makes be that good sick, if they man. allowed 33 really points does. to the Bears. This team is good enough. This team is good enough right now to be a top three, top four team in the AFC. It's no question in my mind. If Zach Wilson could actually figure things out and just use your legs – why are you afraid of running down the field? Tua isn't. He's getting killed, and he's running down the field. What are you afraid of? You're going to hurt your knee? You're going to run home to mommy? What, what the hell is wrong with this kid? Use your legs. Use your ability. You're fast enough. You can run past defensive lines. You've proven it. You're the best scrambler in the league, but that's where you scramble. You scramble backwards, not forwards, you idiot. And this is what's bothering me about the kid. Why aren't these coaches telling him this? What is it? What is it? Rocket science? The throw down the field. Look down the field. You got players that can move and do things. You have running backs that can run and do things. What are you doing? And then you have to hold the ball seven seconds to make a play? Now, you can't do that in the NFL. Tom Brady throws the ball in two and a half seconds. Tua throws the ball, and this is a guy that loves to run the ball. He throws the ball in three seconds. And you're holding the ball for six and a half, and you still can't throw the ball. <sighs> Tua, Tua loves to run. He just has to. They just have to make sure that he's actually Everybody being properly diagnosed with a concussion. Everybody laughs at me because when I break it down, it makes me sick to my stomach. And and it's so funny when they when they when he holds the ball. I'm counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, <laughs> three Mississippi, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, seriously. I could throw the ball. I was never a quarterback. I was a corner slash wide receiver. I'm even smart enough to say, hey, you know what? There's a check down right over there. My tight end, my my running back is standing there alone. Just chip it off. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't even throw a short pass because you're too jittery or whatever. Yeah, drink, Take your Adderall or something, man. Figure it out. Sniff some cocaine. Ask um, Lawrence Taylor. Ask Lawrence Taylor for an eight ball. I mean, seriously, it's it's ridiculous. At least Lawrence did it right. At least he knew what he was doing when he went out there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Watching this team, I, it it makes me hajida. This team is good enough to beat anybody. 
anybody right now in the NFL. There's no, and I'm not talking like a Jet fan. Defensively, who is better defensively than they are? There might be two teams that you can really say they're they're right there with the Jets. 49ers and Cowboys. I'm yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. The 49ers and the Cowboys. You have an elite defense. You have two corners that could stop anybody in open field. Ask Waddle and ask Hill who was the ones that stopped him this year. Yes, it was Thompson throwing the ball. He's still a competent guy that could throw the ball. He's not Tua, but he's a competent. Ask him what they did in that game, okay? They couldn't catch the ball. Because these guys can actually – Jefferson didn't have such a great game against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. He didn't look good in that game. He looked horrible. He couldn't get what, – what, what Cousins had 173 yards. Cousins was awful. He was awful. God. Why do you think he was awful? He couldn't throw the ball down the field because nobody could get open. Okay? That shows you what you have. And you have a competent – all you need is a quarterback that can move. Throw the ball 200 yards every game. Ask Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson don't need to throw 300 yards. He won a freaking – he won an MVP throwing 213 yards and running 70 yards a game. He won an MVP. Anyway, okay? Heisman. He was a final – he was a Heisman. Yeah, he won a Heisman, he Heisman too. Anyway, I think he was a finalist the next year too. How could, you, how could you sit here and tell me Zach Wilson can't play in this league? You don't need to throw 300 yards. How about this? Mike LaFleur, get your head out of your ass. That's what I'm going to say. Get your head out of your ass. How about take your head out of your brother's ass because you're always on, uh, you know, Zoom calls with him after the game. Nobody cares. Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, his team, you're finding out what Matt LaFleur is as a head coach, okay? Aaron Rodgers don't have weapons to throw at. You're depending too much on Aaron. You're a terrible coach, and you're not going to win, okay? That's just what it is. Robert Sala is actually a really good coach. He is. Dable is actually a really good coach. These guys are doing it with, you know, non-quarterbacks. I mean, Dable, I think I think Daniel Jones is a competent quarterback. They don't have competent quarterbacks with the Jets. I don't trust Mike White. I don't trust Joe Flacco. And I definitely don't trust Dak Wilson. So they're going into these games with, uh, you know, a bunch of backup quarterbacks. That's what they have. And, and you're not going to win. But again... I have said this before. We have seen teams win championships with a great running game and an elite defense. And they have it. They just got to figure it out and how it works for them. Anyways, my friend, we really appreciate you. I know you're busy. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us for the almost 50 minutes that you were on. But uh, yeah, you got to enjoy little, false, little false advertising. Session. Hey, uh, can you come on for thirty? Is that cool? No. There you got you, you got you got an extra ten minute jet venting session. Oh, yeah, I sorry. did. I got to experience a lot. So no, I, I'm sorry that, that I was venting, but you can see my my feelings about this team. And and do I, I think it. and do I think the Dolphins are better? Yeah, I do. I think yeah, the Dolphins are, are better overall. Well, what, overall, what you just said about the Jets? No, not exactly. In this, but I have said in rants to friends and anyone who will listen. For 20, 30 minutes watching Dolphins games for the better part of the last 10, 15 years. So trust me, if anyone understands, like, you know, Jets fans and Dolphins fans, we hate each other, obviously, just, mm. you know, great, good natured rivalry. Mm -hmm. But if anyone understands each other, largely, it's us. So yeah. You guys are, you got, you guys are the collective group of the Adam Gase therapy session. Just so you know, everybody used to call your quarterback Hawaiian Tebow. Okay. And he's not sure. Hawaiian Tebow. He is he, not. He yeah. is he's a lot better than people think him to be. And yeah. uh, if he can act if they could find a way to protect that guy and he doesn't get hit and they don't lie about him not having a concussion, it was a backache. <laughs> I, I, I mean ownership. By the way, I, 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 I could get it. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, yes. but I, that's something that 
could be gotten into. Uh, I don't know that it played out the way a lot of people want to assume that it played out. And I can tell you, uh, you know, what happened the following week with Teddy Bridgewater, where he was disqualified from the game for getting hit and standing up. And they said he was wobbly. There was some punishment from the NFL on that, that that can be discussed at another time. So I, I don't necessarily believe everything about Tua that some want to put on that situation, but you're right. The Dolphins, as long as they protect Tua, there's a clear difference the way he plays when he has time and when he doesn't. And we saw he did not have time against San Francisco. I love your coach, by the way. I love Mr. Smurf, man. It's so funny when they have like a ladder that he has to climb when he gets up to the podium. It is so funny. It really is. I love what I love listening to him. And then when he stands next to his players, they're like tower over him. It's so funny that they all have to go to their knees when he's talking to them. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, they have the boxes like some some <laughs> reporters use when they're interviewing like a. What are those guys that you know, when you're with the symphony and you're, they're playing the walk? Conductor. He, that's what he is. He's a conductor. They're so small. Maestro. They stand on a box. <laughs> Maestro McDaniel. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Conductor. But thank you so much, Adam. We really appreciate you. We'll get you on very, very soon, my friend. No, appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much. As everybody knows, we were talking to CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports Editorial Director Adam Silverstein. Very nice guy. Oh, yeah. He was funny. <laughs> Great personality. And yeah, but There we go. I'm sorry yeah. for the rant. Yeah, well, you got to witness uh, his uh, deja vu of ranting about the Dolphins for a while. Now the Dolphins are looking as stable as they've been in a long time. That's for sure. Oh, they're going to, they're, they're going to be a very hard out. Oh, yeah. Whoever they play in the playoffs. I, I mean... Nobody's going to want to play them, as well as I don't think anybody would want to play the Jets because the Jets could get at you in so many ways defensively. The thing is, are, when, when they keep the game close, are they going to be able to score? Mike White showed me on Sunday that even though he could throw the ball, when they get into the red zone, they just can't figure it out. They, can't, they were in the red zone six times, and they, feel, they kicked – Five field goals. Five. And then they went twice, both times back down. At the final two plays, of the, the two, two, uh, two drives in a game, they stopped Miami in their, first, their only drive with the last five minutes of the game. They had two drives, and they were in, they were in, you know, they were on the 20-yard line at the end of the game, and they were on the f- one-yard line with three downs left, in, in, you know, with five minutes left. How do you how do you not score? And they converted, I think, three combined third and nine or more, and then a fourth down and nine and more on that pass to Corey Davis. There, he got that big chunk that set them up at like the twelve yard line. So. It just doesn't make sense, and that has a lot to do with the offensive coordinator and what he is doing, you know, with his plays and his play calling. And if I was Robert Sala right now, and and I'm going into this game against Buffalo, if this happens against Buffalo, I take the play calling off him. I'd give it to my quarterback coach. I'd give it to somebody else because Laf- Mike LaFleur has made mistakes. And, and I believe the Jets should have at least three more wins this year. But I believe it's Mike LaFleur. I think it's play calling. Everybody keeps pointing the fingers at the quarterback and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, all he has to do is make 20 throws. 20 throws a game. And if you put him in the right position and the checkdowns, if he doesn't know how to throw a checkdown... I would set all my running backs and my wide receivers and set them up on the line every single practice and have them figure out, you know, where they're going to be on the checkpoints and throw them, keep make them throw the ball a hundred times every short single target practice. Short target practice, practice. So he's ready for it. The fact that Mike White could do it with ease and he can't even do it tells me about the coaching. 
It's not the player. It's the coaching. And I've been saying this over and over again. Zach Wilson will never develop if they don't have the right offensive coordinator that can help them. Okay? And what if I were the Jets this offseason, if you don't like Zach Wilson and you think that he's he's ruined right now in New York, I would pick up and try to trade him in the offseason. I would find a team that's willing to give you, just like Sam Darnold, a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth. And you could probably even maybe, if you're lucky, they might be teams that could really think they could fix him. Uh, there are quite a few teams looking for a quarterback. Maybe, I don't know, Texas. The Texans. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the Texans are interested in, in bringing in Zach Wilson, uh, a, a young quarterback that can help uh, over there. Maybe San Francisco. You know, maybe yeah, Trey Lance. Shanahan wanted him. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Maybe Trey Lance isn't the guy. Maybe they say decide, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo goes to free agency. We'll we'll take him. We're friend, we're close with Robert Sala. We'll make the trade with you. We'll give you a second. I don't know if they have a second this coming year. No, they don't because they traded for McCaffrey. They don't have any draft picks this year. All right, so I think their first one's like a sixth round pick. <laughs> all right, so you know maybe San Francisco. Maybe bring a third team involved with it. Yeah, or something like that. I, I don't know. But the Jets, there are teams that are going to look for a quarterback. If Zach isn't the guy and you know he's not the guy, don't beat around the bush. Stop beating around the bush. People think that New York fans don't know sports. People think that. I will tell you this, not because I'm a New Yorker. We study sports. We watch plays. We understand when they're aligning, we're lining up at the line of scrimmage. You know where the offense is going. You can read it. People play video games. They can see the situation. If they're playing a nickel, they're playing a dime, they're playing prevent defense, they're bringing up a blitz, they're, they're setting up a blitz package with the corners of the safeties. You can see it happening before it even happens. Why doesn't Zach Wilson see it? Before we go to break, I want to mention one more team that maybe, maybe could make sense. If Brady retires, maybe Tampa. Tampa's another, another another team that would absolutely. I, I don't like top balls. I don't think he can. No, fix I don't. Anything. I don't either. I'm not saying I don't think he can fix anything. Byron Leftwich would go. You know, a former quarterback to work with him. How about this? The Saints. The, the Saints. Saints. Yeah. The Saints are a team that could be uh, craving, and and who knows? Zach Wilson could be a good fit over there. I mean, I, I don't know. They need some kind of controllable quarterback because they don't have money this? to spend anywhere else. How about this? They bring him in as a backup to Russell Wilson. Ah, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe Back in the altitude. There you go. Maybe over there, he's he's from over there. Maybe that'll help him. Yeah, he's used to the altitude too with BYU because they have the same kind of thing at their stadium. You know, I don't know. I I don't know where they're they're planning. Maybe Seattle. You know, <laughs> that'd be funny <laughs> if Geno Smith is is a free agent. He decides to go elsewhere, which he could. He's a free agent this year. He could mm-hmm. go wherever he wants. So it's Gino Smith back to the Jets. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, why? Why wouldn't? Why would that be funny? Why couldn't that happen? No, it'd just be funny to see Zach Wilson get traded to the Seahawks and then Gino Smith back to the Jets. It's I'm just, just saying it, it would be ironic, though. Anything could happen. There's so many things that could happen. I just don't think right now. If you're going to sit here and you're going to you're going to throw a baseball and try to throw a strike right now, if you're going to tell me ne- tomorrow or next next year. Zach Wilson's the quarterback of the team. It's probably going to be a ball or it's going to be thrown away because he's not, as of right now, it doesn't seem, and I don't care what Robert Sala says, he's trying to hide something that the players obviously don't like him. Did you see what Garrett Wilson said? Mm-hmm. Did you see what he said about there it? Was, uh, Mike White? Who was, somebody liked uh, the tweet with, uh, was it Sauce Gardner liked the tweet of Mike White and Zach Wilson and all that that was throwing his quarterback? Garrett Wilson said, uh, quote-unquote, he said, 
playing for Mike makes you want to throw yourself in front of a car for the kid. Okay? All right? Did he ever say that about Zach Wilson? He has never complimented Zach Wilson. As a matter of fact, in the preseason when Flacco was throwing to him, he says, when Flacco throws me the ball, he puts it in the right spots. Zach still has a lot to, you know, a lot to, to learn. That's what he said. Garrett Wilson said that. Your star wide receiver is telling you that you don't know what the hell you're doing. That's scary. When we come back, we'll be talking to Dynasty Nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster, Garrett Price, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Aaron Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS and Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'd like to thank Adam Silverstein for joining us, CBS Sports and 24-7 Sports uh, auditor- uh, editorial director for joining us. He was fantastic, really was. And now we have a guy that's been on the show before. We haven't seen him in a while, really since COVID, but uh, happy to have him on again. We are now talking to Dynasty Nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster, Mr. Garrett Price. Garrett, what's up, man? How's it going, guys? We're good, man. I mean, obviously, I'm ranting about the Jets and making me want to throw up about Zach Wilson. Uh, this team is so much better than the, the Right now, their record should be so much better than it is. And uh, it's just the, the alarming part is the most important position on the field. They haven't solved everything else uh, going into the offseason with all the holes that they had. They fixed every single hole. They've made it. They've made the team into a contender just in one year. I thought it was going to be next year. It's this year. And they still haven't figured out the one position they haven't figured out in 50. And that's the quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw up. But how are hey. you? I'm doing well, man, and I, I get it. I'm a I'm a Browns fan, so one of those uh those W's the Jets got was on one of the biggest collapses by a football team I've ever seen. Uh, Jets getting multiple touchdowns under two minutes there. So it was uh it's I understand the frustration uh, with a franchise, but you guys look like you're going in the right direction. Uh, you guys had a fantastic draft this past year, one of the best drafts, if not the best draft uh, in the entire NFL. The pieces are in place, but yeah, the the quarterback position is going to be going to be a tougher one to solve. But there's some free agents out there that that could come in. There's some trades that could be made, so you never know what could happen. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty <clears throat> Nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster Garrett Price. So Garrett, let's get into it because uh, fantasy has been all over the place. Injuries have been all over the place. I have two quarterbacks this week are playing with buys. And uh, I, I have to decide if I'm going to bring in Carr or Goff. Some people are telling me Goff. Other people saying Goff stinks, bring in Carr. I have no idea where I'm going. But uh, when you look at the big picture right now in the NFL, what has surprised you more than anything so far, early, really later into the season? Well, in the entire NFL, I mean, we've had we've had quite a few surprising things this year, but I think the biggest surprise has probably been the Denver Broncos, and not in a good way. Uh, we we were talking about the 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 West to just be this incredible division this year with high flying 
you know, points and, <laughs> and it was just going to be, it was going to be primetime television every time one of these teams was on, on the telly. And uh, yeah, it's still been true about the chiefs and, and for the most part, the chargers, but uh, the, the Raiders have been suspect at best and the Broncos have just been downright brutal to pay the kind of money that they paid to get Russell Wilson. They bring in a new head coach. It looked like they had all the pieces as far as, you know, the receiving core running backs and all this stuff. And it's tough to tough to imagine a, a much bigger flop uh, from a uh, from, from from an NFL team perspective. Mm. Before I answer that question, I do want to mention if the Browns did hold on to beat the Jets. Now, granted, not everything might have happened exactly the same way. We would have had sure. like four teams tied at six and six, including the Browns in the, right. for that playoff spot. Imagine that. And obviously the Browns are getting Watson back. So uh, I want to go back to the fantasy with the impact with the, imp- the injuries with Jimmy Garoppolo and also with Lamar Jackson. So how do you think fantasy wise that would affect the skill players on those particular teams? The 49ers, Iuka, Debo and Mark Andrews with the Ravens, some of their receivers. Yeah. So you would normally think that this would be huge drop-offs, but if you look at both of these situations, let's start with Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, fantastic quarterback, but he's fantasy wise been a little underwhelming, especially after those first three weeks. He played really well first three weeks, putting up tons of points. But that was with Rashad Bateman there. And not because I think Rashad Bateman's a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he has no other receiving options right now. It's basically Lamar Jackson either throws the ball to Mark Andrews or he runs the football himself because J.K. Dobbins isn't there. Uh, Gus Edwards has been banged up in and out. And Rashad Bateman's not there because he's injured. And on top of that, they got rid of Hollywood Brown in the offseason. So with all of these pieces just not there, it's really difficult. So honestly, you're not probably starting any offensive pieces outside of Mark Andrews anyway. And last year, Andrews actually had slightly better numbers uh, with Huntley than he did Lamar Jackson. So I don't think it's going to be much of a drop off uh, for, for Mark Andrews. As far as the Niners go, I would take everyone down a, a tick, uh, you know, five to 10% in production, but I don't think it's a massive hit. The one I think that would be hurt the most would probably be Brandon Ayuk. He's the one that's more of the deep threat and Brock Purdy just doesn't have a strong arm. He's pretty accurate. He can, he can do the, the, the little things. Okay. For a rookie, but he's not throwing that 40, some 50, some yard bomb down the field with any sort of real accuracy. And that's where I, you can really beat you is on those big plays. So if there's one that's going to be hurt the most, it's probably him. As everybody knows, we're talking to dynasty nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster, Garrett price. You look at the N uh, the NFL and you look at obviously uh, the NFC and the NFC East is just so wide open. You don't know, who is good? What is good? We we saw Tom Brady come back from a 13-point deficit with, I don't know, five, six minutes left of the game. We've seen that before. One time in his career, this was the second. The other time was against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, and I don't want to mention that and what happened there. But uh, really, there is no sure thing besides the Eagles. Where do you see the NFC lying for the Eagles? Is this probably the easiest way to the Super Bowl this year, or there are other surprise teams that could really make noise going into the playoffs? The only two teams I really see giving them any sort of a – I shouldn't say – there's three teams. There's three teams that I think will, will make things difficult for them. One would be the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they're in the same division, and that defense is legitimate with Micah Parsons. I mean, he's an absolute beast. But we've seen them go toe-to-toe, and, and, and right now it looks like the Eagles have the edge. 
Then you have the San Francisco 49ers, which up until the Jimmy G injury, that was actually the team I thought was going to go to the Super Bowl uh, was, was the 49ers. But the loss of Jimmy G, you cannot expect a guy like Brock Purdy to be able to lead you uh, to the Super Bowl. Now, there's an outside shot, it sounds like, that Jimmy G could be back maybe by NFC Championship game or something like that. So there's still a shot, but but right now you definitely have to give the edge once again to the Eagles. And then you have Minnesota. Minnesota has been very interesting because I think it's I think it's a little more smoke and mirrors than it is legitimate. Uh, they've won a lot of close games. You got to give them credit for that. There is an art to being able to close out games. Like I said, as a Browns fan, we've never figured out how to do that. Neither uh, have the Chargers. So, <laughs> exactly. The Chargers have not figured that out either. Uh, but at the same time, it's basically on offense. It's the Justin Jefferson show. Uh, Dalvin Cook hasn't been quite as good as he's been in the past. Cousins has been fine. Uh, Thielen is a shell of himself. Uh, so in the defense is, is a solid unit, but it's nothing special. So I think right now it really is the Eagles conference to lose. And I think at this point with Jimmy G out, they're the team to beat in the NFC. So the big news came out today with the bills. Von Miller will be out for the season and huge news. Yeah. And I think this is an injury. The defense has been riddled with injuries already. Tredavious White just came back. They have Micah Hyde out for the year. Are you worried about the bills in the playoffs as a playoff identity in a very deep AFC? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be a little bit worried, especially when, I mean, there's so many good teams in the AFC right now, but particularly it's it's going to come down to probably the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are the team to beat. They have the most incredible offense. Uh, they have some playmakers on defense, but obviously we can't sleep on, on the Bengals. They just beat them head to head and they were in the Super Bowl last year. So uh, they're a very solid crew as well. So it's going to be very interesting, even in their own division. Uh, they have the Dolphins, who I know that there's still a lot of question marks. They're probably a year ahead of where people expected. And, and even the Jets, I know, you know, I don't think anyone's calling for them to go to the Super Bowl this year necessarily. But they're a solid group that could, if you make too many mistakes in a wild card game or something like that, you could get you could get gooped and you could get knocked out. So it, it is it's a really, really difficult conference right now. Uh, and missing a piece like Von Miller, a guy that can get to the quarterback in a conference with so many good quarterbacks, that hurts. As everyone knows, we are talking to dynasty nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster, Garrett Price. Garrett, you you look at the quarterback play this year, and, and you mentioned Russell Wilson, uh, we, Justin Herbert. Everybody thought that this guy was going to take two steps forward. I think he's taken two steps back. Maybe it's because of the offensive line situation and where they are, the wide receivers, the injuries. Keenan and, and obviously the other weapons that they had, and they don't even know who their running back is. I think they've lost that. And um, and really, uh, the other quarterbacks, Josh Allen, he looked good in the beginning of the year. The only sure thing right now that we have seen so far in the AFC is Tua and Patrick Mahomes. That's that's really it. There's nobody else that I can re- I could see through. And, and Joe Burrow, okay? You want to put Joe, Joe Burrow? Burrow? Yeah. Joe Burrow is yep. the other one. Everybody else, I mean, Deshaun Watson just came back. He looked like garbage. I mean, yeah. and and you know that. I think you're a Cleveland Brown fan, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. That's so, correct. So, and Lamar Jackson, he's been horrible this year. I mean, there's nothing that really shines out. And you, you talk about why the AFC and the conference is so good. It's not because of the quarterback play. It's everything else, the defense and, 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 and the way they run their offenses through the running game. So, to me, what quarterback so far this year, besides Patrick Mahomes, 
What quarterback has really stood out to you beyond all the rest? Yeah, I think that has to be Tua. Uh, Tua has taken such a big step forward, and you have to give a, a lot of credit to the the other things around him too. Mike McDaniel's is one of the best offensive minds in football, uh, and he seems to have really connected with Tua. Uh, on a personal level, which is something I think he was missing before. He they, they seem to have a great relationship. But then on the field, I mean, you have two weapons like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, two of the fastest guys in the NFL that can take a you know a five yard slant and take it to the house. I mean, that's just that's absolutely filthy. But at the same time, you, you have to get the ball to them. You have to get the ball to them on time. You have to be in the rhythm of the offense. And he's done that all year and he's actually gotten to the point where he's put himself into that MVP conversation. The other one that's also taken a big step forward, and it was one of the teams we were just talking about, but we're going back to the NFC here, is, is Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. People were talking about in the offseason, you know, he's he's on the chopping block potentially. We'll have to see. The, the Eagles have multiple firsts next year, so there's a chance that they could take those firsts to move up to get a, a Bryce Young, a C.J. Stroud. They no, could, way you know, no way in hell. No way in hell. Uh, he has clearly elevated his game to another level, similar what, to what we saw with Josh Allen, to a guy that was a, a really good athlete, a lot of intangibles, but maybe just not the most accurate passer to. You can tell the work, the effort, the time that he put in in the offseason to, to take his game to another level. And so you really have to appreciate when guys do those types of things and you can see the development because sometimes, especially as a guy that loves to scout college prospects, Sometimes you want to keep them who they are as a college prospect into the pros, and you want to stick with that evaluation. Well, well, some guys get better. Some guys, and, and, you know, they're supposed to. They're supposed to elevate their game. They're supposed to learn new things. They're supposed to understand defenses better. They're supposed to do these things. And he's one of the better examples we've had in recent memory, along with Josh Allen. Could you actually explain that? You, you look at Jalen Hurts, okay? He was a journeyman in college. He went from – Alabama to Oklahoma, okay? Mm-hmm. Then you talk about Patrick Mahomes. He played for Texas A&M. I think it was Texas Tech. Texas Tech, I'm sorry. Uh, he wasn't as good a quarterback as he was, as he's, as he's been in the mm-hmm. NFL. You go, and then you look at other quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, who was a, the next big thing, the Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. He really hasn't so far proven that to anybody so far. And and there are other quarterbacks that were so highly profiled. Zach Wilson being another one, who everybody says, oh, this guy could throw on his back leg. He's got an unbelievable arm. He can move. He's got more speed than anybody thinks he can. And he really hasn't turned out to be the player that he is. Why is it that these quarterbacks that are estimated to be top elite quarterbacks and future quarterback st- quarterback stars in the NFL don't turn out to be that way? And the guys that you wouldn't expect, the Russell Wilsons of the world, uh, the Geno Smiths of the world, all of a sudden these guys take off and figure it out. They're becoming stars. Well, I think, you know, I'll speak directly to, you know, you, you, we mentioned Hurts, we mentioned Allen, we mentioned Mahomes. These guys are the new wave of the NFL. In, in the past, you look at the successful quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. We're talking traditional pocket passers that are going to take five-step drops, seven-step drops, and they're going to get it out quick, and they're going to be accurate, okay? And, and a lot of it was being accurate and being smart. That was That's what the NFL was all about. What we're starting to see now is this new wave where coaches are utilizing the athleticism of these quarterbacks, not saying you have to sit in the pocket and, and wait, 
and for the defense to collapse around you and get it out. Get outside, make plays. You want to throw it three quarters? You want to throw it sidearm? Go ahead. Make plays. We want to see you making plays. And so they're allowing a little bit more of this backyard football than they've ever allowed before. So coaches are adapting to the talent around them. They're adjusting to the athleticism around them as opposed to trying to make guys before like Michael Vick and, you know, different athletes that could have been these kind of guys, Mm -hmm. but they're trying to make them fit these traditional old school antiquated offenses where now coaches are finally being willing to say, I'm going to take some of these college concepts. Heck, I'm going to even take some high school concepts and I'm going to allow these guys to do what they do best. And that's why I think we're starting to see some of these guys really elevate beyond what we've seen before. So I want to go back to the Browns because you mentioned uh, Deshaun Watson earlier. So he came yeah. back. He did not look good in his first game back against the Texans of a good young it's secondary. Two years. But, uh, still, still definitely looked rusty for not playing all that time for the first right. time in like two years, like Errol was saying. So also with, with him, long-term trajectory, and also with the contract that they signed, all guaranteed money, five years, 220. What do you think the direction that the Browns will be going in? Because they're going to be losing a lot of players in the offseason because of that. Yeah. Um so I'm going to do my best to remove my like Browns fandom hat and try to look at it as objectively as possible, which we all know is, is difficult to do when you're passionate about a team. It's, mm-hmm. it's tough to look at them truly objectively, but removing, uh, removing the feelings from it, removing all of the off the field stuff from it and just looking at it solely as uh, the, the situation that they're in Deshaun Watson on paper is one of the best quarterbacks in the no NFL. No question. You know, when he when he stopped playing two years ago, uh, I mean, he was putting up 5,000-plus passing yards with Will Fuller for only part of the season because he, he was, was the on best PDs. quarterback in the NFL. I, I don't care what anybody says. He was better than Patrick Mahomes. When he was pulled off the field in that season, to me, he was the MVP of the league. Look how gar- garbage the Texans were, and, and the numbers that he had were just absolutely outrageous. So you're yeah. right. He was elite. So in the way that NFL works, the way that football works, the quarterback is the most important position in all of sports. You know, you look at tons of teams. Look at look at the Tennessee Titans are a great example. The Tennessee Titans are a very good team. They have lots of good pieces on both sides of the football. But they've never figured out the quarterback. And so they make it, you know, a round or two into the playoffs and lose every single year. We see it with all kinds of teams all the time that have okay quarterbacks. If you don't have a top 10 and dare I say, maybe even like top five ish, at least during that season quarterback, your odds of winning the Super Bowl are slim to none. You have to have a quarterback that can take you to the next level. So the outlook for the Browns, regardless of everything else, is looking up because they have that talented of a quarterback. They have a pass rusher like Miles Garrett, who is absolutely elite. Um, some would say he's the best in football, but I don't think you would get anybody to say that he's not at least one of the top three or four in football as far as rushing the quarterback. Uh, so, so you have a great player there. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in football. Solid offensive line. There's a lot of pieces there. Could they use a few more pieces? Absolutely. But they have the pieces in place. The question is going to be, can Deshaun Watson be who can he, can he still be who he was two years ago, which I, I think he can, but can he be that guy? And can the coaches and the front office get the right pieces in place and coach them in the way that they need to be coached 
If so, there's no reason that this team couldn't be a Super Bowl caliber team next year. Here's what here's the best thing for the Browns. They want Deshaun Watson to get back to what he was, get themselves a nice, nice, beautiful masseuse and have her work the back. And then he'll be that Super Bowl contending quarterback again. Oh, <laughs> I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. I like listen. I, I I understand what he did, and, and, and some of the stuff didn't make any sense. I, I, I don't think it's any of our business, honestly. On, on and off the field, the only thing he did wrong, in my opinion, is do it on, uh, you know, on the Texans' you know, grounds. If he didn't do it there and he did it on the, his home or whatever the hell he did it, that's his business. That's not my business. That's not your business. They, nobody said he raped them. Nobody said he did anything to them. They it was all there. So to me, if he was if he kept it away from the game, it shouldn't it shouldn't have made a difference to anybody. But he brought it in, you know, it, the the facility. It made no sense. I he made a big mistake. And and by the way, he's got a beautiful girlfriend. I have no idea what he's thinking about with some of these women. You look at these women. I'm like. Are you kidding me? Are, are you looking at the same woman? <laughs> I look at the images. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, what the hell are you doing? But that's the, that's, I, I guess Watson is just his own personality. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty Nerds fantasy football writer and podcaster Garrett Price. But uh, yeah, I, I love Deshaun Watson. I think he will figure it out. Uh, he needs to find the, <laughs> he needs to figure out the offense. They need to find some weapons for him to throw. Amari Cooper is not cutting it in my eyes. But uh, yeah, so why don't we get why don't we get into a little bit more uh, of what's going on in the NFL this year? You look at the game and the transition of the game, the new rules, uh, the new penalty calls that you're hearing, the referees call. Uh, we've heard we've heard a lot of uh, the offensive linemen moving up on a play. What's that? What's that play called? Uh, um, it's a legal motion or illegal illegal snapping. Legal, legal motion. Yeah. Guy where the offensive linemen are moving up uh, a past the line of scrimmage or something oh, yeah, like that. There's a legal downfield. Downfield. So illegal downfield. Yeah. That's what that's it was. That's even the worst. Every game you're hearing illegal downfield. Oh, because you're talking about like the RPOs where they'll yeah. get a little confused on that. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. And it's, it's interesting to me. I'm sorry. I'm getting off being sick, but. Uh, You're it, good. Yeah, it's very interesting to me how they're making play calls and how they're calling penalties right now. And uh, do, do I think it's helping the game? It, it's it's not helping the game because it slows down the pace of the game. Uh, some of these guys are trying to figure out the the speed of the game and, and figure out, uh, you know, it, it's all chemistry when they're on the field. Do you like the way the NFL is transitioning and changing some of these these play calling? Do you like what it's what's going on in the NFL now? I'm always going to be a fan of ingenuity. You know, I, 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 I don't want things to stay the way that they are just because that's the way they've always been done. You know, I, I want guys to, to be innovators. I want the game to be moving forward. So the RPOs and, uh, you know, the, the different things that they're doing, like even the Eagles with the quarterback sneak where they, they get, you know, three guys behind the quarterback and they're just pushing him forward. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate people thinking outside the box trying to do new things. Um, the, the part that does make it a little difficult is with some of the new changes, it does slow the game down more because there's more mistakes, which cause more penalties. And you never want to see that. You never want to see a game where there's, you know, 
three plays in a row, they're throwing a flag and it slows the pace of the game down. You want things to keep moving, but, but I, I do overall, I like, I like where the game's going. Like I mentioned before, it's allowed guys like Jalen hurts and, and Josh Allen and Mahomes to be the players that they are now, as opposed to just sticking with your traditional power eye offense or the basic spread or, you know, different things like that. We're, we're seeing like air raid offenses now, and we're seeing, uh, you know, speed options and RPOs and all this fun stuff that we've not really seen a lot at the NFL level. We might've seen at the college level. We're starting to see that at the NFL level now. And I think it, I think it makes the game more fun. So I want to move on to some college football. I know you're an Ohio state fan. They squeak into the playoffs. Uh, USC choked at the Pac-12 championship game. So Ohio state gets in. So uh, what have been your impressions of them, especially recently uh, struggling against Michigan, the way they did. Oh, don't say that to him. And then also uh, against Georgia, they got to go up against the national champs. What are your expectations for that? Man. Uh, the fact that we have lost in back-to-back years to Michigan is despicable. Uh, I am I am so frustrated uh, with that whole situation because you look at the talent on the field. Ohio State should be winning these games. They have the better recruits, the better right. Like they're they're doing all the things right up until that game. But you get into that game, the thing that's missing, and I think this goes back to the coaching and and specifically the head coach Ryan Day. They're, they're soft. Like, they're soft. How you have these five-star recruits with all the swagger and all this ability, and you get into the biggest game of the year that you should be more motivated and energized than ever, and you're coming out soft. I, I know one of the plays in the uh, – it was the end of the third or the beginning of the fourth quarter where third down, quarterback, quarterback runs around the left side. You have a safety there, and he just kind of like catches them and just lets him go into the end zone. Like, you have a free shot on the quarterback on third down in the biggest rivalry game in sports. How you're not getting kicked out of the game because you knocked his head off, I don't know. That's your opportunity. Like, that's what you should be searching for as a defense. So, to see those kinds of things uh, just frustrates me to no end. Uh, so, so that's pretty frustrating. But speaking specifically to Georgia, Georgia's a very good team. Uh, and there's a reason that they're undefeated. There's a reason that they're the number one seed. There is a there is a scenario, though, where Ohio State, I truly do believe, could upset and beat Georgia. Now, Georgia has a fantastic defense. Fantastic defense. But their offense really isn't much to write home about. It's It's pretty basic. It's pretty vanilla. You don't have to do any creative things. It's about... Can you be tough enough? And so that's really what I think it's going to come down to is did Ohio State figure out what they did wrong against Michigan, toughen up, or are they going to continue playing soft? And if so, Georgia will run all over them. But if not, I think Ohio State has a real shot because this looks a lot like the team. Uh, what would that have been, 2015, yeah, 2014? the first year of the college football playoff system. <laughs> yeah, it, Ohio State was the last team in. People were talking about, did they even deserve to be there? And they go out and they beat Alabama and they beat Oregon to end up going to the national, winning the national championship. Two good teams. That could be the same scenario this year where they beat uh, Georgia and then hopefully uh, a national title rematch. Ohio State, Michigan would be so much fun. Uh, so that that's what I'm hoping for, but we'll see. I know you want to see that because you want redemption. That's what you absolutely, want. <laughs> absolutely. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dynasty Nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster Garrett Price, uh, CJ Stroud. 
beginning of the season, he was on a record-breaking pace. He was probably the, the predominant Heisman Trophy winner. But as the season progressively moved forward, Caleb uh, Williams became the superstar of college football. And a lot of people believe the, the number one pick in next year's draft. Not this year, next year's draft. Correct. What were your thoughts of Caleb Williams, the transitioning uh, from going from jumping from Oklahoma to USC and leading a Trojan team that had no business, honestly, all year with the record they had with uh, with a new coach. He he's a fantastic player, and look, you know, uh, we clearly established that I'm a big Ohio State fan. But of the two quarterbacks, I think Caleb Williams is the better quarterback. I think he's better than C.J. Stroud. I think there's more things he can do. Stroud falls into your more traditional pocket passer, which nothing wrong with. We still have pocket. Joe Burrow is is a more traditional pocket passer. It's like this is they're they're still making these guys. It's not like they've gone extinct. Uh, but but Caleb Williams falls in line of this more new wave. These multifaceted, really fantastic athletes. You know, so talented they might even be able to play another position or another sport just because they're such good athletes. Uh, but he just happens to play quarterback and he does it really, really well. So I. Look, would I be happy if C.J. Stroud won the Heisman? Absolutely. I'm an Ohio State fan. I'd be thrilled for him. We haven't had one win since Troy Smith uh, back in 02, I believe it was. Uh, so, yeah, I would be thrilled. But I would be totally fine with as long as as long as Stenson Bennett doesn't win it. As long as Stenson yeah. Bennett doesn't win it, I'm good. Anybody else He's can win it. He's not winning it. He, he, he better not. not. He's he not. It's 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 uh, honestly it's probably Caleb Williams. Uh, I think so too. Everybody, I mean, everything that I've read is is every all the writers think that this kid is, you know, everybody was talking about Trevor Lawrence. Some people say that this guy is, you know, light years better than Trevor Lawrence is. So coming out of college, so uh, they were wrong about Trevor. As of right now, Trevor Lawrence still could be a good quarterback in the NFL. He could. He still he's could be. showing signs. Yes. He's showing signs, but we'll see. I. I I have a feeling he's a mediocre quarterback at best. I I think you could win with him, but he's mediocre. This kid, there's just something about him. Playing on one leg, he was limping, he was running down the field, he put his, you know, he put his, you know, his career on the line to try to win it for his team. And that's something you look mm-hmm. for in sports. You look for the guy that is going to put his body on the line and do it for not just himself, but all 53, 56 players on that team. And that shows me leadership. That shows me love and compassion. And that's what I love. And I wish he was on my team. So I I think there's something about this kid that really is remarkable and uh, great season or no great season next year. He's the number one pick. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, no, he's he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, that twenty four class sneakily is is looking pretty good. Uh, Drake May from UNC yeah. uh, is a very good quarterback as well, and he's big. He's he fits that like you know walk off the bus and you look at the guy and you're like, oh crap, that's the quarterback. That he he has that look to him, uh, and and he can play for sure. So yeah, it's it's going to be a good class. So I want to go back to uh, some fantasy football. A lot of leagues into the playoffs now. Uh, two two part question here. One uh, waiver ads that you think could be like league winners, really big sleepers, and two fantasy players that you think have like easy schedules to win your league with. Right now, unfortunately, there's really no like this week specifically. There's no waiver wire ads that are uh, ones that you're like, oh yeah, that that one could put you over the top. We didn't have any. Crazy significant injuries uh, to skill position players this week. We mentioned like Lamar Jackson and whatnot. So if you want to pick up Tyler Huntley, sure. But, you know, quarterback, especially in most one QB leagues, 
isn't making a significant difference for your team. Uh, but chances are you have, you have probably have better options even than Tyler Huntley uh, there. But uh, guys that I think could end up putting you over the top uh, as far as your fantasy playoffs go, one guy that everyone seems to sleep on every year and he a couple years ago, he finished as the RB four in all of fantasy football because of his late season finish. And I think he could do it again this year is David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Look, I know he's not the biggest names. I know he's not the sexiest player, but Khalil Herbert being on the IR, he might come back. We'll have to see, but he's getting a lot of work. And this is a run first team that now has a superstar quarterback in Justin Fields, who has been playing absolutely out of his mind lately, uh, as far as throwing the ball, running the ball, he's doing it all. But even Superman can use a little bit of help here and there. And I think that's where David Montgomery is going to come in, help take some of that wear and tear off of the quarterback. And and we'll, we'll see a lot of good things from him. So I think David Montgomery is a, a good sneaky one. Uh, another one, Keenan Allen. I know it's been frustrating because he's been injured a lot this season, but we still haven't gotten Mike Williams back. I'm not sure that we will get Mike Williams back. Justin Herbert, he's doing everything he can to try to keep this team afloat. And Keenan Allen's back and finally healthy at the right time. He's been his number one target the entirety of Herbert's career. He'll continue to be that over the the course of the fantasy playoffs. So I think he's another guy that I really like uh, this time of year. I just added Josh Palmer in one of my leagues because Williams probably isn't coming back. So I'm like, okay, hopefully this continues. (laughs) There you go. Last question for me. You look at this season now, the NFL, uh, it's coming to an end. Uh, when you look at this playoffs, and, 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 and it could go, a lot of people think right now, Kansas City versus the Eagles, because obviously they're the two best teams right now in the league. Some people like the 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. Where do you see the Super Bowl going this year as of right now, what you have seen? Yeah, I, I can definitely see some real credence to an Eagles and, and Chiefs Super Bowl. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little off script here. Uh, and even though I, I, I think that the Niners would have been the team had it not been for, uh, the, the Jimmy G injury, we'll go with, we'll go with the Eagles in the NFC. Uh, but I think, I, I think these, uh, I think these Bengals might surprise people do it again, go back and actually win it this year against the Eagles. So that's my call right now. Eagles, Bengals, Bengals, pull it out. Interesting. Mm. All right, my last question. Uh, going into the season, a uh, fantasy football take that you were that you nailed, that you were very confident in, and and one that you were wrong on. What was it? What was it for this year? Yeah. So the one that I absolutely nailed was I projected that not only would Ramondre Stevenson be better than Damian Harris this year, but he would be a running back one, and that's exactly what we've seen. He's running back eight overall right now. After the first two weeks where they're kind of sharing time, uh, he's been a running back five been consistent each and every week hasn't had less than 12 and a half points since week three so he's just been so solid so steady all season in PPR leagues um so that was the one that that I absolutely nailed uh feel really good about uh I had I had a few that could have gone better uh we'll, we'll put it that way uh but one of the ones that that I thought was going to be awesome and partly it's it's due to injury, but it wasn't even looking great before the injury. I thought Javante Williams was going to just absolutely feast this year. Uh, but we saw the beginning of the year, he was splitting time still for some reason with Melvin Gordon. 
And then he, you know, he had the terrible knee injury. So obviously that did not play out like I had hoped. Mm. Well, we really appreciate your time as always. We'll get you on very, very soon. It won't be as long as it has been, but, uh, uh, you know, your stuff as, as everybody knows. And, uh, you're one of those, uh, those fantasy nerds that know and statistically look at things as a whole. So we really appreciate everything. Absolutely. Had a great time, guys. And don't worry about it, Deshaun Watson. Stay away from those massages, <laughs> and you'll be good, man. I'm telling you. And if you, if you want to you go to a massage parlor, why don't you go out there to Robert Kraft, and he'll show you the right places to go. Okay? It, That's all you know, I, I was surprised he didn't end up as a, uh, as a patriot there. <laughs> could have been well, don't, you know, don't rule it out. <laughs> I, you know what could have been great? I mean, you know, quarterback and owner could have been going out themselves together. I mean, that would have been great. Maybe they order it and they have a basement where they can have their, the, the, you know, two different masseuses. One grabs the other and the other grabs the other. They could hold hands. I mean, oh, uh, no. could you imagine Deshaun watching? <laughs> And Robert Kraft. I mean, Robert Kraft likes to kiss his players on the lips. <laughs> if the if the Browns Deshaun Watson experiment doesn't work out in two years, the, the, the oh, Patriots no. will give, the, Robert Kraft will give all the draft picks back just for that. I mean, they have pictures of Robert Kraft kissing his players on the lips. I mean, I've seen Tom Brady. I see Dion Branch. I mean, how many people he has to kiss on the lips to know that he's, uh, you know, is that does that make him more of a man? Could you imagine him kiss Deshaun Watson on the lips and have, you know, like grab his back like he's massaging him? <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, Garrett, <laughs> I hope uh, that sets into your head for your Browns and hopefully Deshaun Watson uh, you know, pulls away next year. I think he will. I think he's an elite no. quarterback. He's fantastic. And I think he next year, watch out for the Browns. I, I, I do believe that. I, I think they've got the talent. They have the ability to do that. And if they this quarterback is anything what he was with the Texans, which I believe he is, watch out. Michael Jordan, as uh, his ex-college coach says. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. If he, could do right. the, if he could do those fadeaways like Jordan, then uh, – you know, we have something. His college coach of the uh, constantly overranked Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> How they're still in the top ten is still mind-boggling. But. Garrett Price, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic dynasty nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster. Go check out his show. Go check out his writing, everything that they do over there at Dynasty Nerds Fantasy. So they're fantastic. So check them out. Ah, what a show, man. What a show. Mm. What are we waiting for, Derek? Yeah, I told him about 9.15 he could come in. All right. We got Derek joining us. I'm sure he's going to be crying. I'm going to attack him because he picked my Jets. He's my Jets jinx. He's the he's Derek Jets jinx mountain. That's why you like that. <laughs> Derek Jets jinx. The official Jets jinx. He is the Jet jinx mountain. That's what I'm going to call him. How's that down? Derek yes. Jets Jet jinx. jinx mountain. Jets jinx. He's the Jet Jinx. JJ. We'll call him JJ. There you go. Er, uh, Derek JJ Mountain. Mm-hmm. Jets Jinx. <laughs> oh, man. What's going on with that team, man? Mm. This, is a big, this is a big week for the Jets. Yes. Could you imagine they beat the Buffalo Bills two times this year? That would be a first in a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the first time. I think that, was, that would be the first time, I want to say, since 2014 or something like that. It's a long time. Man. I think Rex Ryan's like last year there or something before he ironically went to the Bills. Then the Bills swept the Jets that season and mm. kept him out of the playoffs. Mm. 
I'm I'm interested to see. I'm I'm interested to see what the Jets are going to put out there, and if they're capable of shutting down a great offense. You know, that's the most important thing. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, and the Bills, again, they have lapses on defense now that they could definitely expose if, again, they get able to, able to get some the offensive line play. It was pretty good last week, I would say. They still have some moving pieces that are still trying to work their way back in, coming back from injury, too. But also, again, the secondary, can they expose the rest of the depth that hasn't been as good this year? Tredavious White, White is back. He looked better this week than he did against, Minnesota, or against, uh, against Detroit on Thanksgiving, but still... Those other rookies haven't been great. Kyrie Elam, their first-round pick, is hurt. And the other guys haven't stepped up. So can the Jets expose that? That's up to the uh, Michael Fleur, who doesn't know how to call plays very well the last couple He doesn't of know how to do anything well. Okay? And I'm just sick to my stomach knowing that he's my offensive coordinator. yippee Kaye. But Speedy, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking at the fantasy league, and I'm looking at tight ends to pick up. And I thought I had the tight end from uh, the... The L.A. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, uh, Gerald Everett, Everett, and he and somebody picked him up okay. and screwed me. So, well, which team is it though? I don't know. A, they might have had a higher waiver priority. I don't know. I you're in hard. second place. It's hard for it's harder to get the first waiver claim. So I have uh, there's Henry available, Conklin, Font for this week, uh, Hooper, Atkins. I mean, Jacecki. Aikens looked good last week. I don't know against Dallas. That might be a tough matchup. I'm trying to see the actual tight end matchup. I haven't, I haven't looked at added a tight end because uh, I have the kid Fryermuth on, on the Steelers. who looked pretty good this year. Hunter Henry is the best matchup, though. That's uh, Cardinals have all the most points at tight end, so that's probably the play, I would imagine. Yeah? Yeah. Actually, the kid on Tennessee at Quanco look, has looked good, though, this year, the last couple of weeks. So I I, I would say uh, Henry's, Henry's probably the safer one, but... A Conco could be a good upside one, though, because Jacksonville's defense 13th against tight ends. So I would say either one of those is probably the better bet. So Jacksonville is 13th? 13th against, against tight ends, and then Arizona has allowed the most to tight ends this year. So, so you know that's Hunt, where Hunter, Bill Belichick's going to Hunter grow. Henry would be the safe play. But again, could it be Jonu Smith, too, is another question. That's the only thing that concerns me with Henry. And and. Again, like Wes always says on our on our betting segments, uh, primetime games, do you always want to trust those, too? But uh, the Patriots are usually a good primetime team, so I don't know. But not, not, not the last time they played on Monday. They, were, they got blown up by the Bears. I'm a little disgusted, ladies and gentlemen. I am Somebody wins and I lose. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, It's the uh, only downside of being in second place. Damn it, you the, bastards! You're not going to get the waiver priorities. but I don't know who stole them from me, but I'm very upset. I, I did get Jared Goff. You didn't get Jared Goff. So you went with Jared Goff. You, 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 I did. Your dilemma was him and Derek Carr, which... You know what it is uh, with Derek... I wouldn't trust Thursday, yeah. I'm not trusting Derek Carr. I, I, I trust, and I need a tight end, by the way, because my tight end has a bye week. Everybody's on, has a bye week this week. With yeah, me. there's six bye weeks in week 14 for the first time ever. And I'm looking at... Uh, obviously, I'm going to tr- trust Greg the Leg this week uh, against Buffalo. He's going to kick a lot. Seattle, I'm starting Seattle's defense... Over the Jets. I, I just don't trust the Jets this week against yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, against Buffalo. That's hard to do. Yeah, tell. so uh, Jared Goff, I need I, – and I and right now, I don't know if Moore's playing this week. He's questionable. Uh, I do believe Debo Samuel will, but, I, again, am I going to trust their backup quarterback to get him the ball? And then and Tampa's uh, a pretty good defense. And, and so, I can't try yeah. – I can't start Walker this week because he's out for this week. He's questionable, they say, but I don't think he's playing this week. Mm. Uh, Ken Walker, G.J. Dallas did not play on Wednesday or practice on Wednesday. 
Did not practice on Wednesday. Advised. Also suffer ankle injury. Did not play. That would be a big loss if I lose Kenneth Walker. But I, I, I think Kenneth Walker. Um, He's going to be out this week and then back for the next week. I think he'll be weeks. back okay. next week. Yeah, I think two weeks was the initial diagnosis, so we'll see if he comes back next week. That would only be one because he got injured in-game last week, so that would be tough. By the way, the Jinx has a, the Jets Jinx has arrived. Oh, here he is, <laughs> Mr. Jets Jinx. We're going to call you JJ now. Derek oh, JJ man. Mountain. Uh, since you have picked the Jets back-to-back weeks, my team has absolutely... Well, it's not back-to-back weeks. You picked them against the Patriots, and you picked them against Minnesota, and they just have absolutely jinxed me, and uh, they're falling apart right in front of our I mean, eyes. you should have won. Six red zone trips, you'd think they would have won, right? Well, what, are you trying to make me throw up? I mean, I, <laughs> I saw enough Greg the Leg on, on Sunday yeah. that I needed to. I mean, by the way, he's having a great season, by the way. Uh, yeah, he's rebirthed himself nicely. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, for everybody that were taking shots at the Jets going into the preseason, he missed a couple of kicks in the preseason. I mean, this guy's had a pretty good year. Well, also year. how bad he was with Dallas for two Who's years. Who's been better too. than Greg Zerline this year? Yeah, not many. Not, maybe, I think he's a top five kicker right now again in the league. I mean, it says a lot for, for what he has done, and he, he's transitioned to I know the Jets aren't going to let him go now, so uh, they decided to uh, part ways with the kid that they had last year. So, and he's not actually kicking the ball very well either. But, anyways, uh, Derek, you were nine and five last week. Not bad. I think I've pieced together a couple of weeks here. Yes. Yes. Look at you. You're I, getting you're, back you're, to you're just gonna not, You're just going to pick your teams that aren't the Jets. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he is. I mean, exactly. if he stays away from the Jets, I mean, my. You're going to like my pick for the Jets game this week, then. Oh, thank God. Oh. Yes. If it's, not the, if, if it's not the Jets, I'm happy. Okay. Yeah. All right. De- De- Derek must have him losing by 21. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Without Von Miller, they're going to have problems. So, yeah, I think the Jets are going to have a little bit of fun. They, the one thing the Jets had pro- didn't have problems last time they played was stopping Von Miller. They, they threw Von Miller around. But if they take Von Miller out of it, then they they don't have to worry about that side of the field. And they could start standing in the pocket and making throws in places that – they believe Mike White can make them. So it'll be interesting, as always. So, Speedy, you ready? Yep. Let's go. All right. We'll start with the uh, maybe the ugliest game of the year of Thursday Night Football. <laughs> Again, it was supposed to be good. The LA, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Rams. All right. I'll take the Raiders. This will be very sloppy. I think they just win it late. Derek Carr, at least, has been better in close games. He's been good at actually close games throughout his career. But the Rams just don't have anything right now. I'll say 23-21 Raiders. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Raiders here. They have to win. They've won three straight. They're playing well. Offense looks really good. Uh, sixth in offensive DVOA the last five weeks. Um, Devontae Adams looks like what we saw last year, the last couple of years in Green Bay. He leads the league in touchdowns now. Je- Josh Jacobs is rolling. He leads the league in rushing by nearly 200 yards. I mean, the guy has been a monster. Um and I feel like the Rams just emptied the tank on Sunday against Seattle. I think this is a tough spot for them, uh, kind of a tough emotional get-up spot for them. So I think the Raiders cruise here. Give me the Raiders here, 31-17. to 17. Well, I heard that the Raiders uh, just uh, picked a, a slot-wide receiver off the waiver wire, and his name is Josh McDaniels. I'm just kidding. Uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously uh, the new starting quarterback for the L.A. Rams. Would that – 
you know, make you happy if uh, Baker Mayfield pulls off a win this week. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Derek Carr is the better quarterback. I think this team is better than the Rams are this year. I, I don't know what's going on with the Rams. A lot of injuries. Uh, and now Matthew Stafford could be out for the rest of his career. I mean, you're hearing stories that his back is that bad. Um, and he's a free agent after this year. I, I don't see the Rams. And what are the Rams going to do in the offseason? They have no draft stock. They have nothing. I mean, Baker Mayfield. it might be what you said to Fred Smooth. Maybe they got Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. I guess that's who the guy is. It's going to be Baker's show. I'm sure he's loving that. Maybe he could get a Rams flag and stick it in the middle of the field. I don't know. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna fire up Nick Bosa again? Or maybe uh, he can run around naked around the field, oh, get around out of the stadium. I mean, it's L.A. It's warm now. He's not he's not in Cleveland where it's brute cold. You can run around naked over there, and you know. Show people your uh, your rear end. Anyways, I've got the Raiders in this game. Raiders win, twenty five fourteen. All right, we'll get the uh, we'll get the big blowout out of the way. I'm sure everybody has the Cowboys against the Texans in this one. I got Dallas thirty four seven. Derek, what do you got? Yeah, you, you can't go with Houston here. I will go with Dallas twenty eight ten. I think this game is going to be a lot closer Ooh, than you think. Okay, uh, <laughs> I do. Uh, the Texas uh, the Texans have been very good. They can run the ball. Their defense is a lot better than people think it is. Uh, they can get at you. They can get at the quarterback. And, by the way, Dak Prescott has been getting sacked. This offensive line, even though they've played well all season long, like the last two weeks, he's been getting hit. So, I like I like the Cowboys. I think it's close. 17-10. All right. Battle of Ohio. The Browns at the Bengals. I was right about the Browns winning the first meeting, but I did not think they do it this time. The Bengals are much improved. They're one of the most well-rounded teams in the league the last six weeks. Even their offensive line has really started to pick it up. They're the seventh-best pass-blocking offensive line. And their secondary, I will do it. I will actually give Eli Apple credit. He actually has played well this year, and it's really helping that secondary out. Uh, Watson plays a little better than the first week, but it's still a little rusty. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball the same way against the Bengals' run defense. So Bengals 31-17. Yeah, I, I'm a speedy here. I was the same. I, I liked the Browns in the first matchup and the way Brissett was playing um, and the way he fit in that system. But, I mean, Watson looked terrible last week. I think he'll be better. The rust will he'll knock some rust off this week. But it might be a process here. He hasn't played football in two years, right? Um, Joe Burrow's 0-4 in his career against Cleveland. I, I, at some point, it's the, the ties are going to turn for Burrow. Um, this is a contender. I mean, I think this is one of the best teams in football, the way that they're playing right now. And now you get back Jamar Chase last week. They're really well-rounded. Now Samaje P. Ryan looks like a legitimate weapon. Mixon might come back this week. I mean, this team is really scary. I think they're better than they were when they went to the Super Bowl last year. So um, AFC, watch out. They're tied in the win column with the Ravens down the AFC North. Um, I think the Bengals continue to roll here. I will take them 27 217. Yeah, I like the Bengals in this game. There's nothing that stands out to me to think Cleveland's going to even compete in this game. Deshaun Watson is going to take at least a year to figure out this offense. I think next year will be the year where Cleveland can transition with a quarterback of this, uh, you know, this talent. But I, I think the Bengals are stacked. Their offensive line, their defense, they could get at you in so many ways. They could throw the ball down the field with Joe Burrow, and they've got weapons. They've got Higgins. They got Boyd. By the way, could he catch a ball? Jesus. I mean, how do you miss an open yeah, catch like back. that? That was horrible. I was one of the worst, you know, worst plays I've ever seen a, a decent wide receiver make. And, yes, 
Jamar Chase is back. If he doesn't get enough penalties and he keeps his mouth shut, they'll win. I, I give the Bengals a, 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 an easy game. I think they win 24 to 10. All right. Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. This game was very close in the first meeting. Vikings won 28 to 24. I think this will be similar and the opposite at the same time of the first meeting. I think the Vikings, who started slow in the first game, they'll start fast in this game because the Lions, I think, will have a little bit of a slow start, a little bit of a letdown after their blowout against Jacksonville. I think the Vikings will start off fast. DeAndre Swift is a little healthier than he was in the, when they played back in week three, so I think that'll help a little bit. And this offense is looking back to that form again with Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think this game will be close. That being said, I think the Vikings offense will still be able to spread the ball around nicely. K.J. Osborne looked good against the Jets last week. T.J. Hawkinson, I think a revenge game against his former team. I think he'll play well, too. Give me Minnesota close, 31-27. This game, this is a fun game. I mean, from a couple angles. First, it's the highest point total of the week. I think the over/under said like fifty-three and a half. You have two pretty shaky defenses and two really explosive offenses going at it. And the second component is the five and seven Lions are favored over the ten and two Vikings, they and everyone is true. freaking out. What does Vegas know? Well, I don't think it's that complicated. I mean. One team, the Lions, they, they piece it together nicely on defense the past couple of weeks. I think the secondary is coming together. I think Aaron Glenn's starting to find that identity. The young players are stepping up. And Goff's playing great football right now. And on the other side, I mean, Kirk got banged up last week uh, from your Jets. Uh, their secondary is brutal. I mean, that is not a good secondary. They are opportunistic. They create a lot of turnovers. But how sustainable is that? I mean, if you're relying on turnovers every week to piece together these wins, I mean, 9-0 and in one-score games, that, that just doesn't happen, right? Um, so I think there's a reason the Lions are favored. I've been bullish on this team. They're playing really, really well. I'm going to take the Lions to roll here. I got them in a close one, 31-28. Oh, I got the Lions in this game. Home team. Uh, the crowd's on their side. Minnesota is very good at home. Uh, they're not as good away as they are home. I know everybody looks at it. Well, they're what do you mean? They're 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 ten and two. They're definitely as good as they are away. Look at the look at the games that they've won away. They were very very close games. Games they could have lost. So I I think Minnesota Kirk Cousins highly overrated. They should have lost last week at home against the Jets. Uh, it was just bad play calling. Thank you, Mike LaFleur. It's not going to happen this week against the Lions. I think the Lions will be able to throw against his secondary. Give me the Lions. Uh, it'll be close, like Speedy says, 24-20. Derek, you brought up a good point, though, with the home underdog. I forgot about that. Those are usually the ones our, our sports betting guys have to stay away from and usually take the other way. All right. That's true. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tyler Huntley starting at quarterback for the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens are going to lose both games to the Steelers like they did last year, but I do think they win. I, I do think the Steelers win this one, though, because I do think the Ravens still, with all the running back injuries, it's not going to be able, easy for them to run the ball. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I think, has a nice game, but again, how healthy is the other two guys? Goss Edwards still might not play. And the Steelers' secondary has been a little better than it has been last year. It, their offense isn't great, but I do think they... Get, we'll get something out of their pass-catching running backs. I like what I saw. Not necessarily with Najee Harris, but some of the backups last week. I think it'll be good to counter that blitz. I think the Ravens will blow another late lead. Steelers win it close, 20-16. to 16. I'll take the upset here. I wanted to take Baltimore here just because of the track record. I think they are a better team, even with Tyler Huntley under center. But I, I can't do it. I think the impact of T.J. Watt is, is just makes such a big difference for this defense. They go from... 
legitimately a bottom five defense without him in there to probably an above average unit. They're opportunistic. They get after the quarterback with him and Cam Hayward in there. Um, with Hundley under center, I mean, I like their chances. I, I, I think if they get to 20 points, they have to feel really good about winning this game just where Baltimore's offense is at. I mean, Mark Andrews doesn't look healthy to me. The running game is not nearly the same. The best wide receiver on that team is who? Demarcus Robinson, the wide receiver five on the Chiefs last year. I mean, it's just a brutal supporting cast. Um, if Lamar can't succeed in that system, and it was really starting to, they, they were kind of piecing it together with paper clips and, and tissue paper, right? With, with Hundley in there, I just think it's going to get uglier. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this one, uh, 20 to 16. Still in my score, huh? Score twins. There oh, we go. Do it. I'll say 21 16. I'll accept score twins. We, we can say that. <laughs> Listen, I like Pickett. I really do. I think he's transitioning. He's looked really good the last couple of weeks. I think he's got a little flair to the Pittsburgh Steelers team. And I, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a pretty good defense with TJ Watt in it. I agree with you completely, Mr. Mountain. You JJ jinx, but <laughs> I I I absolutely believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this game. It's going to hurt Baltimore. It's going to dip Baltimore, and Baltimore might fall out of the playoffs after this Lamar Jackson lo- uh, loss for a significant. Just like last year. Yeah, I I just don't think. And if he does come back in two weeks, he's not a hundred percent, and all he needs is one more hit, and he could be out for the season. It doesn't make sense. Kenny Pickett, T.J. Watt, and the Pittsburgh Steelers win nineteen sixteen. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't trust him to win the division anymore at this point. <laughs> All right. Speaking of JJ, the JJ Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is going to be a close game. I actually think this is going to be a higher scoring game than expected. Uh, the Titans defense really struggled badly last week against the Eagles. Now, the Jaguars offense is definitely not as good as the Eagles, but I think the Titans secondary definitely got exposed. And Trevor Lawrence has played very well in recent weeks. Those, that receiving core does look very good. The thing is, I don't know if Jacksonville is going to be able to run the ball. Travis Etienne is still lingering with that ankle. He didn't play great last week, so I don't know if they'll have his uh, multi-dimensional of an attack. So that's why I am going to take the Titans. I trust him a little more to be two-dimensional in this. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a bad and forth game. I'll take the Titans in this one 31-24. The the John Robinson firing has to be one of the most bizarre moves I've ever seen midseason and clearly I think it was a power struggle between him and Vrabel and something happened behind closed doors because I think you can attribute most of their success to Vrabel, but Robinson's done a damn good job with that team. Um, He's a great It's really weird. It probably doesn't impact them week to week like the coach getting fired, so um, having said that, I actually think the Titans blow them out here. I, I expect Vrabel to rally the troops and have them play a really good game off a blowout loss, off an embarrassing loss to Philly, to Philadelphia. Um, Trevor Lawrence missed practice today, too. Um, he said he's probably going to be good to go on Sunday, but it's a sprained toe. You take away even a little bit of mobility and creating plays out of structure against that Tennessee D-line. I mean, we know how good that D-line is. I think that makes it even harder for Jacksonville to pull off an upset here. Um, give me if we're able to bounce back here in a big way. I will take Tennessee 27-13. Yeah, I got Tennessee in this game. They can run the ball. Derrick Henry is not going to have a game like he had last week against this Jacksonville team. They're going to run all over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Expect two, three touchdowns by Derrick Henry. 100 yards, beasting. Uh, They're not going to even have to throw the ball against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll control the line of scrimmage. They have one of the better, more dynamic defenses in all of the NFL. Give me the Tennessee Titans. 31-20. All right, let's go to 
Derek's team and my team battling it out for the first time this season. The Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. I am a Giants fan. I want them to win, but I think they get steamrolled in this game. Their defense has really not been the same since they've had all those secondary injuries. No Adoree Jackson, no Xavier McKinney. It's really hurt them. Julian Love's done a lot, but they've kind of had him out of position a lot of the time, and it really has hurt this defense as a whole. Their pass rush, I don't think they'll be able to get that kind of pressure on Jalen Hurts. The offensive line has been tremendous for the Eagles this year. And their defense proved a lot stopping the run against Derrick Henry. That was their biggest weakness throughout the year. I think they'll contain Saquon Barkley enough too. I think Philly steamrolls the Giants here. 34-17. to See, I think it'll be close. I think Philly wins, but I actually think New York's going to keep this one really close. Uh, Daniel Jones has played well against Philly despite not having a ton of wins over Philly. He usually plays pretty well. Um, in division game, uh, on the road, he's much better on the road. Um, well, no, sorry, this one's at MetLife. Um, but still, like, even you think about it, the offense is similar to Tennessee, right? Dynamic running back. They want to run the ball first. The receiving core is not very good. Um, so you're thinking, oh, they shut down Derrick Henry. They're going to shut down Saquon. I think there are two key differences. One, the emergence of Darius Slim and the emergence of Isaiah Hodge. These guys look like legitimate contributing receivers. I'm not going to say starters. I'm not going to say star receivers, but they've done enough to at least keep them above water and make that offense impactful. And the second big thing that I think Tennessee doesn't have for sure is Daniel Jones's legs. I mean, that guy makes an impact with his legs every single week. So I think the Giants are going to scrape by and keep it close, but I'm going to take the Eagles in this one a really close and really good game, 24-21. It's not going to be even close. The Eagles are going to run all over this team. They really are. It's not even going to be close. The Giants have played well. They've contended throughout, throughout the season against good teams. Uh, the Eagles are a different beast. Uh, they're going to absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage. There is nobody on this Giants team that can stop Jalen Hurts, especially when he gets out of the pocket. This is a hurt defense, a hurt front seven. They're not going to stop Jalen Hurts. He'll be able to run and throw against them. And by the way, who is going to stop a very, very hot Brown? A.J. Brown is one of the hottest wide receivers the last two weeks. I expect him to stay hot. This week, have at least a touchdown, 100 yards. Give me Philadelphia, 30 to 14. Maybe the Giants have to serve A.J. Brown Chipotle. Maybe he'll get stomach issues again. <laughs> they're going to need something because there's no way in hell they're going to stop this offense. Derek, I was disappointed last week. I, I, you actually picked the Titans in the upset. I was surprised. I was I was going to come on the show and say, good thing Derek's not here because I'm picking against his team. It didn't matter anyway. The Eagles blew him out. <laughs> We were, surpri I, we were surprised at that and the fact that you actually picked the Jets. Yeah, I mean, look, I thought Tennessee kind of matched up well on paper, and I thought maybe that I they could so, jump on yeah. Philly, but, I mean, they, they they proved me as wrong as, like, as wrong as I could ever be. So, why I'm are, happy to be wrong. And what really upsets me is why aren't the Jets, there are, every single one of the games at 1 o'clock, they don't play Thursday night, they don't play, they don't play Sunday night, they don't play Monday. They don't, they don't. They're not a headliner at all, and this is a good team. There's somebody. There are only. only I don't so understand this. There's only so many games that yeah, can but, flex the Broncos on a prime time. If you're a Jet fan, if you're if you're a Jet fan right now, you sit. Your team seven. Last week you were seven and four. You're seven and five. You're one of the best defenses in all of football, and you're a fun team to watch. Why every week are you playing at one o'clock, and you're not even a headlining team in any week? You're not a Thursday night game. You're not a Sunday night game. It's disgraceful. The NFL should be ashamed of themselves. Maybe they don't want. Maybe they don't want to put Buffalo in too many. I don't know. It's, it, they, 
How about this? Stop putting the Broncos there. Yeah. Well, Stop they putting the fake. Flexed them out twice. The Stop Patriots putting... get another one this week on Monday Night Football. Yeah, the, the Patriots stink. How about the Raiders? Three in a row. What, what are you What are you going to do next year when the Jets are going to be even better? Are you going to put them at 1 o'clock every single week? Give me a break. They're fun to watch. Robert Sala on the sidelines screaming at people. That's fun to watch. Watching Bill Belichick stand there with his thumb up his ass is not what I call fun, okay? Josh McDaniels twiddling his thumbs and sticking his hands, his, his fingers up his nose is not what I think is fun. And by the way, I, I'm going to say this one more time. The Buffalo Bills are a good team. But let's be honest. They're coach lazy and boring. I want to see somebody screaming on the sidelines, ready to throw one of his players at the uh, the referees and dump them on the frigging ground or in the garbage. That's what I want to see. I'm tired of watching this garbage that the NFL is giving us. Sorry. All right, Derek. I'm going to let you go first. New York Jets, Buffalo Bills. Oh, the jinx is first. I'm going with the Bills, but I think the Jets are going to play them really well. Um, I think they match up really well. I don't think the first game was a fluke. I think Mike White is an upgrade over Zach Wilson. He's proved that in his first two games. Garrett Wilson has looked like a superstar in the two games. Go ahead. Just White. pick him. You seem like that's where you want to go. I, you're you're <laughs> mad at him when he picks the Jets. So let, let, him, let him go. Why I'm are you happy that you're not picking him because it'll give me a lot of luck. But... They, they put together one of their best games last Thursday. They have the long break going into this one, and they need this one. That was their first win in the AFCs, the, the win over the Patriots last Thursday night. They need this one, especially if they want a high seed in the AFC playoffs. The Dolphins are still right behind them. If the Jets win, they would have the tiebreaker. Um, so this game is really meaningful for Buffalo, but I think it's going to be close 27-24. I have Buffalo in this one, too. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to run as well as they did in the first meeting. Now, I do. I know they have some offensive linemen back, but Buffalo's interior defensive line is still good. Plus, they also have Matt Milano back, who did not play in the first game against the Jets, too. And Jordan Poyer should play in this game, too. This is going to bring the safety up in the box. And I do think the red zone woes are going to continue. Buffalo still has a strong linebacking core that will keep him out. I think Mike White gets some big plays like he did against the Vikings, too. But I do think Josh Allen plays a little better than he did against the Jets in the first meeting. They kind of took him for granted at times in that game. I don't think it will be as much in this case. And I'll take the Bills in this one 24-16. I do think it's semi-close. I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet fan. I think the Jets match up very well against Buffalo. In Buffalo, it's not snowing. It's not going to be ultra cold. It's going to be 45, 46 degrees. Not windy over there. That bolts well for the Jets. I like the Jets. They'll be able to run the ball. Bam is proving to everybody that this guy could be a running back and could be a number one in the NFL. The Jets have multiple. Michael Carter is practicing. He'll be back this week. I expect him to pound, pound, pound. And, and Von Miller, the Von Miller loss is going to hurt them. I don't care what anybody says. It's going to hurt them. I don't care if Milano's back. I don't care if, you know, Bart Scott is going to come out of retirement and play, okay? It doesn't matter. I think the Jets will win this game. It will be close. It'll come down to the end. And I'm going to trust that the Jets' defense will be able to shut down Josh Allen. They'll have the lead going into the fourth quarter. Mark my words. Jets win 24 21. All right. Well, the team flexed out of primetime, the Denver Broncos. How badly will they get blown out by the Chiefs? I'm going to go 30 to 14. Derek, what do you got? Going with the Chiefs. It, it sucks how bad Russell Wilson is because the Denver defense versus the Kansas City offense should be a really, really cool matchup, but it doesn't even matter because this Broncos offense is so pathetic. 
So I'm going to take the Chiefs to roll here. Give me the Chiefs, 31 to 13. Oh, the Chiefs are going to win. I, I'm going to say 35 nothing. Okay, they're just. I, I don't know what's going on with Denver and and Russell Wilson should give back the money that he has actually earned this year. That's how bad he's looked. <laughs> Go over there and back up Geno Smith because Geno Smith would do a better job than you. I don't know what's going on. How about go 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 make another album with your wife or something with Ciara and sing some songs with her. You're probably better off as a backup singer than a quarterback in the NFL. You're horrible, bro. I have absolutely no faith in you. Kansas City, 35 nothing. All right. The Seattle Seahawks at, are hosting the Carolina Panthers. I'll take Seattle on this one, but I do think this is close. I, th- I think the Panthers have played better in recent weeks. Sam Darnold did look good last week as well, and their defense has still been very strong. What's in- his name? Yeah, Sam Darnold. What's his name? Sam Darnold. Okay, yeah, that's what I heard. Yep. Uh, hey, who knows? Should be the Jets quarterback right now. Yes, m- me. M- maybe, maybe if the Jets get a, a Derek Carr or Jimmy G in the offseason, maybe, maybe, Mike, maybe Mike White gets traded to the Panthers. Speedy, what did I tell you about the whole Sam Darnold thing? What did I tell you? The Jets got great value. <laughs> no, I told you they should do what? When oh, they- at the time you thought they should have kept him. Yeah. I said they should have kept him. And could you imagine Sam Darnold in this offense? Mm. Uh, he'd be a lot better than Zach Wilson and Mike White and all the garbage they have right now. It sickens me. But they're be still stuck with Michael Fleur as the offensive coordinator. Well, they Who did knows? get a second-round draft pick. They, no, they got good in. value. So they, uh, they did get Jermaine Johnson from it. Yes, so I that mean, ended up working. But I do think their defense, though, the Panthers, keep it close in this game. They, I, Like you were saying earlier, Kenneth Walker might not play. I don't think he will play in this game. He's not. And J.C. Horn has quietly been very good this year, bouncing back after the injury-riddled season he had last year and the bad injury he's coming off of. I think he'll take out one of Metcalf or Lockett, but I don't think he'll be able to do both. And I think Gito Smith will be able to run well in this game, too. So I'll take Seattle. I think it'll be close. I'll say 2013. Seattle scraped by last week against the Rams. They kind of didn't deserve to win. I I think they bounce back and they play well here. Um, That Seattle defense is reverting back to their early season form, and they do not look good, but... Well, as much as you might like Sam Darnold, I don't trust him to carve up that Seattle defense. I don't think he's going to put up 24, 27 points, which is probably what they need to win this game. Um, Seattle has to have this game if they want to play in the postseason. They got San Fran on Thursday night, next Thursday night, and that might decide the division. And if they want to have a chance at the NFC West, they just have to win this one. So give me the Seahawks here. I will take them 28 to 20. The battle of former Jet quarterbacks. Both guys could be starting for the Jets right now, Gino or Sam. Uh, I think, I think both quarterbacks are still quality quarterbacks. Gino's becoming a, a star, uh, and maybe he does become a star moving forward. And maybe Russell takes some pointers from him. I don't know. Seattle will win this game. They're home. It's going to be loud over there. Sam Donald's going to have problems running the ball in this game against this defense in front of in front of their crowd. Uh, give me Seattle in this game. And by the way. Kenneth Walker or no Kenneth Walker, they'll still be able to run the ball. Um, Seattle wins the game 21-10. All right, last of the 4 o'clock games, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers. No Jimmy G, no problem in this game. I'm going to take the Niners. The Bucks offensive line without Tristan Wirfs looked abysmal last week against the Saints. And you have to go up against Nick Bosa, who probably after Micah Parsons is the next candidate for defensive player of the year. Eric Armstead and that defensive line and that the rest of that secondary and that linebacker core is fantastic, too. They can stop the run. Tampa can't run the ball. Like Mark was saying yesterday, they haven't even rushed for 1,000 yards as a team yet. So... 
I think that'll end up making a difference. I think Traverius Ward is sneaky good on Chris Godwin, too, a physical guy who's been a slot corner a lot of his career, too. And offensively for the Niners, Brock Purdy's not going to have to do a lot, but I do think they'll be able to make some plays after the catch, too. They'll have to settle for field goals. That'll make the game close. But I'll take the Niners 23-13. I just want to slip this in before you say anything. This is a crappy week of football, okay? What games really stand yeah. out to you? Okay. It, it is is crappy. I mean, uh, the Sunday Jets, night's pretty good. I think yeah, that's a, yeah. The Jets in the no, the, the Jets in the Bills. I mean, that's going to be a fun game. That's good. That that's going to be a fun game. The Lions in Minnesota. That could be it's a fun, fun game. Uh, I mean, the Giants and Eagles. Give me a break. That's not going to be fun. Cleveland since he could be okay if Watson plays well, but like yeah. I'm not. That's not that. happening. Bengals defense is good. That's going to be the hard. only other game yeah. that really stands yeah. out to me is Miami. And, and the Chargers. That's it. Yeah. I, I nothing else. But go ahead. No, I, I just finished go my ahead, score, Derek. so Derek's up. I'm also going to go with San Fran here. I, I just – I don't even care about the Purdy angle here. I just think San Fran is way better in every single facet. Um, I, I didn't even realize this. I read this today. This is the first time all year that Tampa Bay is an underdog in a game, which is just so hard what? to believe. I mean, it, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, they played the Chiefs in, like, week three, you would think. They played Dallas week one they blew them out but looking back on it that's like one of the funnier results i mean tampa bay is legitimately a bad football team right now i mean that monday night went scraping by new orleans the way they did i mean they were just abysmal for three and a half quarters i don't care about the brady magic even though he came from behind i mean new orleans is dead in the water i'm not impressed by that come from i agree with you um, and that San Fran defense, I mean, they they are unbelievable. I mean, they shut down that high-octane Miami offense. Um, I think they, they skate by here. Purdy, like, what does he have to do? He has to throw a check down to Christian McCaffrey, and he gets 10 yards. He can throw a choice route to Debo. He breaks three tackles. He gets 15 yards. I mean, come a break. Their weapons are so, so good. Um, so I think they cruise here. Give me San Fran 24-13. to 13. Yeah, it's San Francisco. San Francisco's game. It's a game to lose, actually. I, I don't trust Brady's going to figure this out. They're, they're going to San Francisco. They're not even playing in Tampa. Last week when they they came back and won, they were playing in Tampa, if I'm not mistaken, right? They yeah, were in Tampa. They were. They're, they're, not, they're not coming back in this game. They fall in this game. San Francisco's going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding. Nick Bosa, to me, is defensive player of the year. That's, that's what I think. He's... The last, what, three weeks he has, what, six seven sacks? sacks think, seven yeah. sacks. I mean, he is the best defensive player right now in the league. He's beasting right now, and he's going to be he's gonna feast on this week. I'm, t- I'm talking about two and a half, three sacks in this game. Uh, give me San Francisco in this game. This is a blowout, 34 to 10. Derek, you want to put it in perspective how impressive their defense was last week. I think it was like four minutes to go in the third quarter. J- uh, Tyreek Hill at 54 yards, and Jalen Wild didn't even a catch yet. <laughs> At that point in the game, it's insane. I mean, no Hill, other defense can do that. Hill, I think, got over a hundred later, but still, like, uh, still, Waddle only well, had the, the one Jets, catch the whole game. The Jets just... did it against them early in the season too. The Jets, did Skyler it. Thompson, a yes. little different. Yes, but they, they, they did it to the same. I team. do. The Jets' defense is ridiculous as well. I, uh, they're an ascending group. I would, I would take San Fran slightly just yes, because of yeah, Fred Warner, Bosa. Yes, I mean those guys are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Traverius Ward now, um, but I mean. Those two defenses are probably the two best right now. Mm-hmm. 
All right, speaking of the Dolphins, they play on Sunday Night Football against the L.A. Chargers. So a Dolphins home game for them, essentially. Uh, I know you said this was going to be one of the better games. I actually think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is a really tough matchup for the Chargers because they can't stop the run. Miami's got two good running backs. Mostert, I know, has been, has been hurt recently, but I think he bounces back and plays well. Uh, Jeff Wilson has looked good since he's come over from the Dolphins. And also, their big play threats against the Chargers secondary that does not have a lot of depth. They're very top-heavy. Derwin James is good. Asante Samuel's good, but that's it. And then the Dolphins' defense. Bradley Chubb knows them well, and that defensive line is good. Christian Wilkins, very underrated defensive tackle this year, one of the best. So I'm going to take the Dolphins. I think this will be a blowout. 34-20. to 20. Wow. I think the Herbert-Tua matchup is going to just break Twitter. I mean, the two guys two guys that won the top six in 2020. Tua won one pick above Herbert. These two are going to be compared for the rest of time, along with Burrow. Um, I think they're both going to provide plenty of offensive fireworks, but Speedy said it. I mean, what answer is the Chargers defense going to have for this Dolphins offense? They're, they're not. I, I really don't think so. Um, the Dolphins didn't even try to run the ball last week against San Fran because that's the best run defense in football, but this L.A. front seven is just awful. I mean, if you can set up that RPO game, if you can set up that play-action game, and get Tyreek and Jalen Waddle running free down the field. I mean, forget about it. I think Miami's going to lay a 30-burger on these guys. I got Miami in this one, 35-27. Oh, Miami's going to kill them. And this is good for the Jets, and I want to see it happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jets Tua, fans have to, we have to root for the Dolphins. Uh, I'm rooting for the Dolphins in this game. Uh, and, and really, I don't know what the Chargers are anymore. They're going to fire their coach at the end of the year because Peyton wants this job. There is stories coming out. Well, I would love to see that. I, I think him coaching Justin Herbert, he loves Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. He wanted to suck for the duck. I'm just kidding. I don't know what he wants to suck for. And if he does, he can ask, uh, you know, Watson if he wants to suck for the duck. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I like the Dolphins in this game. Yeah, I do. Um, Tua is going to be able to throw 300 yards against his defense. Uh, Waddle will have 100 yards. Tyreek Hill will have two touchdowns in this game and close to 100 yards. Uh, and they'll be able to run against this putrid defensive line. Um, give me the Dolphins 34-14. All right. And Monday Night Football, the New England Patriots at the Arizona Cardinals. Well, this is a battle of some great coaching and then bad roster on one side. Of Don't be surprised if Arizona wins this I'm game. I'm taking Arizona this game. Don't be because, surprised. Wow. Because the Patriots have, a, have always had a lot of trouble with running quarterbacks. And you saw Justin Fields light them up four weeks ago on Monday Night Football. Kyler Murray, they haven't run him as much this year. Now, here's the thing. The Patriots have actually owned DeAndre Hopkins head-to-head throughout his career, too. So I think he will struggle. But I do think this could be a, a tight end type game. I can see Trey McBride making an impact, and I can see those running backs making Connors an impact. Connors look good, too. Connors look good. And I, I, pass-catching running backs, they've had trouble with the Patriots, too. And that offensive line's actually been better in Arizona, too. And the defense in the secondary has been good. I think Ramondre Stevenson plays well, but I do think the, the Cardinals will be able to, kind of like the Vikings did last week against the Jets, I think they'll be able to hold them to field goals. I think that'll make the difference in this game. Give me Arizona 27-23. I mean, Errol, I don't know where you're going here, but the way you're talking, it sounds like Arizona, and I think you guys are nuts. I don't even think New England's good because they're not, but you're telling me Belichick off a Thursday night football loss where they got embarrassed. He has a long week to prepare, and it's Belichick against Cliff Kingsbury. And not only is it Kingsbury, but it's post-week eight Cliff Kingsbury. And now I know we've all seen the numbers, but I've dug them up for you guys. Weeks one to seven... 
Cliff Kingsbury with the Cardinals is 18-9-1. Very, very respectable record. After week eight, week eight and on, he is 10-24. They complete, it's, it's mirror images of each other. They become one of the worst teams in the National Football League with, with Cliff Kingsbury in the last two months of the season. I think he, you bring up Brandon Staley in the last game. This guy's done. I, I don't care that he got extended last year. He's done. This team is not responding to him. They have so much talent and they are underperforming in every facet of their team. Their defense is bad. Their offense has no scheme, no direction. I, I am a little worried about the running angle, as you said, Speedy, and, and I've thought about that, but also Kyler's coming off that hamstring injury. He's not the same on the ground as he's, as we've seen the last two years. I think New England blows him out here. I think this is a classic get right spot with Belichick, and he just tap dances on Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to take the Patriots 24 to 10. I don't know if we want to see Bill Belichick trying to tap dance, but okay. <laughs> I'm. You have your brother's laugh. It's so fun. It's so funny. You have your brother's laugh. Uh I. This is the game that kind of throws me off. Out of all the games, it's crazy. It is in Arizona. I don't think New England's any good. I really don't. They got lucky not, against the yeah. Jets. They're not really good. I want to see them lose this game. I really do. But I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you, Derek. I, I think it is the Patriots' game to lose. Bill Belichick is going to take their best guy out. Hopkins will be their best guy out. That means more if he comes back this week, which they're saying that he could. Uh, he could play a big part offensively. And uh, they have a problem stopping the tight ends, like you were saying, Speedy. Um, are they going to be able to stop Hunter Henry? If he gets into the red zone, he's one of the better, more underrated red zone targets for the Patriots over the and, and really his throughout his career when he was a Charger. So um, I have the Patriots. It's close. Uh, Stevenson will be able to run against this defense as well, who I believe is one of the more underrated running backs in the NFL. So I, I think New England wins this game. It'll be close. 2017. Mm-hmm. That, ladies and gentlemen is our picks. And yes, you could shut the music off, sweetie. The JJ of them all, no Jets jinx this week. So you know what that means? You're welcome. Bet on the Jets. <laughs> well, here's what it also means. He also mentioned the Jets when he when he picked the Lions. So that means the Vikings will what win What would week. you do? <laughs> Derek, let me ask you a question. What would you do if the Jets went this week? And uh, would you? I really wouldn't be surprised. But I actually think there needs I there needs to be a study done. I don't know if the Jets win this week. If Mike White beats Josh Allen, I mean, there, there's just something there. I don't know what it is, but there's just it just has to be investigated. Is it like a new Rams 49ers thing? Like, even if the Jets are always the not as good roster, they'll still beat the Bills. Yeah, I mean, uh, Errol said it, but I, I think they match up well. I yeah, mean, they do. I think Sauce is a decent matchup on Stefan Diggs. This, this front seven for New York will wreak havoc against a very spotty Bills offensive line, right? I mean, that Bills offense, especially when they're going to play a good defense like the Jets, it's just going to be Josh Allen, go make a play. Like, Josh Allen, put the team on your back and go win us this game. And the first matchup, I mean, he didn't have it going for like three quarters, right? And it was too little, too late, and he did not play a good game. Um, so I, I do think there's going to be a really close game. And, and, and Mike just, White has – he has looked good. He, he's looked like enough the, the two weeks he's played. And just think – and I'm sorry I cut you off, but just think that – Josh Allen is going to have the Jets in his mind from, you know, the fourth quarter with, what, one minute and 20 seconds left, and he has to throw the ball down the field, and he remembers Huff hitting his arm. 
don't think that he doesn't have that in his mind every time he hikes that ball because the Jets have been uh, causing havoc behind the line of scrimmage, and they're only rushing four guys. Last week, mm-hmm. at some points in the fourth quarter, they were rushing three, so and they were getting to the quarterback. So uh, it, it's scary when you have that kind of defense where you can go up. You don't. You say, you know what? All you guys play man. Let our four guys go after. Let, mm-hmm. let our four go. Four guys cause havoc down the middle. And and Lawson's been good. Quentin Williams has been good. Curry, since he's come back, has looked really, really good. Uh, you know, yes, Ma- Franklin Myers, if he doesn't do bonehead, stupid plays, uh, he's looked good. I, I mean, and and Mosley, their 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 linebackers are one of the most run really underrated linebacking tandems in the league with. Uh, Quincy Williams, who I think is so very underrated in the league. I thought People, he was the best defensive player against the Vikings. He was fantastic. He He's a fantastic find by, uh, obviously, Joe Douglas. And he's going to make a lot of money this offseason. I don't think he's going to be an elite-paid uh, linebacker, no. but he's going to make five, $6 million a year you know, going into this offseason for the Jets. And then Kawan Alexander, they're going to have to resign in the offseason. I mean, this is this is a fun defense. And, and it, oh, the sky is the limit of what this defense could be next year and with all the acquisitions they're going to have at their disposal. Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker coming back, Makai Becton coming back. You, you, that's just three guys. They have like four or five guys that are coming back, and they have all their draft picks, and they should, even with Quincy, Qu- Quinn Williams and Quincy Williams getting paid, they're still going to have at least $20, 25000000 to spend in the offseason if they want to and need be. So, it's going to be interesting. We have a new caller. All right. You. Danny, Oops. Danny, Danny, what's up, bud? <laughs> I know what's happening, pal. What's going on? I'm good, man. How are you? How are you? Uh, I am too, my friend. Uh, I'm hearing a lag between us and what I was listening to. So, uh, hey, what's good, man? I'm good, man. I, I'm I'm not dancing, but, you know. No, I, he's, he's just going to have to watch Bill Belichick tap dance. Yeah. You know what I – well, that's I, horrific to even he, have that thought in your head. I mean – Well, Speedy – Errol's already to, made five Deshaun Watson massage well, jokes today. So. Well, Speedy <laughs> has – I mean, in all fairness, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> if the shoe fits – you know what's you know what Speedy likes? Speedy likes the thought of Bill Belichick having his thumb up his ass. Oh God! You know. <laughs> Wait. So hang on, I'm confused. Is that wants, <laughs> hang on. It, does Belichick want Speedy's thumb in his ass, or does Speedy want Belichick's thumb in his ass? I think both. Or does Speedy want Belichick's tongue? At, uh, it would, tongue in, either way, it would be Thumbgate and a terrible scandal. <laughs> and and Robert Kraft and and Deshaun Watson are going to hang out at a massage, massage parlor. You know, <laughs> hold hands. Well, you know, Robert Kraft just got married, and I'm like, that's a good girl who's like, I'll stand 20 by years my old. man, even though he went to a massage parlor because he's worth seven billion dollars. You know, she seems very loyal and sincere. Mm. So, oh, she seems. Aren't lining up for How the old is she? Twenty eight, twenty nine. I'd be sincere well, too, marrying a billionaire. I mean, yeah, I'm sure she's very sincere, which is why his children are going to write her out of the will before it even happens. <laughs> you know ends. We all know where to go, Dad. Let it go. Well, how many times she have to get on her knees a week? Once? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, you know what? Honestly, that's probably not the worst. The worst part is when she has to change his diaper. Like that's going to be the, the, the part where she's like, again, another pair of pants, again. You know, that's that's going to be. That's her feet for a few years until he drops dead. 
Well, so, he's, got, he's, he's got billions of dollars. He can hire medical assistants. She could just yeah, wipe his ass I'm, when she wants. Yeah, dude, what's his face thought that too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Steve Jobs, he's like, oh, I'm worth billions. I could, I could beat pancreatic cancer. Uh, good luck, guy. So, well, well, we uh, can we can always ask Derek's father. I mean, he's 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 a big dog. We can ask him to do it, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think so your Errol, father Errol, would like that either. Yeah, I don't uh-huh. think so. <laughs> so, Errol, I'm sure that uh, much like everyone else in New York, mm. you're following the the baseball winter meetings, mm. and and I'm I'm watching the Padres right make like a thirty million dollar a year offer to uh, Trey Turner and a forty million dollar year offer to Aaron Judge, and I'm going. What's their payroll got to be, the Padres? Because they have so many star players, right? Mm. And I looked up today, and they've got like 130 or so million dollars, like guaranteed contracts next year. I mean, there's quite a few openings, and one guy is still suspended, I think. But yeah, like ultimately, their their payroll is like 150 million dollars, and I'm like, the Mets might be the worst team in the world at spending money. <laughs> well, yeah, the Mets have like a 30 million dollar payroll with eight open spots in the team, and. 20 million go to a guy who doesn't play baseball anymore. And then there's also 86.7 million going to two guys whose combined age is 6,000. Oh, like yeah. it, it seems, and listen, I don't think signing DeGrom was the answer. I think we already saw that answer three years in a row, not answer the bell how many times, but um, including the biggest game of the season where the uh, Braves treated him like batting practice. But um, that aside though, I'm, I'm like, wouldn't the goal be to get younger after watching so many guys' arms fall off that are over 35 in the last couple of years. And, uh, yeah. So I thought you might have some thoughts about that. I, I actually have spoken a lot about that over the last couple of, really in the beginning of the show. I didn't think Aaron Judge was going to sign with the Yankees. I didn't. And I, I've been saying it for the last two years that he was heading to San Francisco. He, he, he just got married last year. Uh, he wanted to raise his kids by his family. I thought the, San Francisco offered him nine years, $360 million. He matched it. The, the Yankees matched it with him. He wanted to be a Yankee. These players are making a lot of money. And uh, a lot of these old players, even what we saw last year, the year before that with COVID, you saw obviously DJ LeMay was one of the best hitters in baseball. He took a, a like a seven-year $80 million by, by the Yankees. That was a great contract. And other players were making less money. And a lot of people are probably scratching their head, you know, two years ago. And now you're looking at some of these massive contracts. Justin Verlander making 43 a year. The guy's 40. He's going to be 40 years old by the end of next year. You have Max Scherzer. He, he gets the biggest paying po- contract, what, two years ago, $43 million a year. He's made, now, now after Aaron Judge, he's not. But he's, he's making $43 million a year as a pitcher that's pitching every five days. And the guy can't yeah. stay healthy this year. You want to know what I think baseball is transitioning into? It's transitioning into a pinball game, okay? It, it, have you ever played pinball? Have you ever played? No, what's that? Um, I know you know. <laughs> I know you are. I know you don't. You know, you're such a smart ass. But we all, we've all played pinball. Yeah, so, so my point is, if you, hit, if you keep hitting the ball and it keeps hitting and hitting and hitting, and eventually it's going to, you know, it's going to fall in the gutter, right? But yeah. it seems like baseball, it, it's, not, it's never going to fall into the gutter. It's just going to go higher and higher and higher and higher. Because next year, Soto is going to be a free agent next year. And it, it doesn't matter what he does this year. 
It don't matter if he hits 25 home runs and has an off year. He's still going to make over $400 million. You know why? Because he's the best player available at his position next year. And that's... What about Otani? I'm sorry? Otani is a, rest- he's a restricted free agent. He'll get arbitration. I believe he'll get traded. Uh, but you're going to have to give a massive boatload of players for Otani. And there's only maybe, I would say two or three teams that might be willing. The Braves being one of them because they have a great farm system. St. Louis being another one because they can redeem themselves. And Houston, who uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston pulls off something like that and they get, so, they get Otani and make their team a super, super team. I, there's no other team that's going to be willing to give up their future for uh, a t- – actually, Dodgers could. The Dodgers have a good farm system. Maybe Otani's also going to be 29 next year. Soto's yes, what, like 23? Top four yes. prospects for Soto when he's on the market. Hold on one second, Danny. De- Derek was saying something. What did you say, Derek? No, I was just saying Otani's turning 29 next year. I think you get like his arm is probably at, at this point. You got to look at at how much longer he could be as dominant as he is a pitcher. I don't know if that's going to last forever. Um, and he he's going to be 29 next year. Soto's going to be what 23. He's 23 so right so now. 24 20, right now. 25. 24. 25. He'll, he'll be yeah. 25 when his free agency comes up. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's unbelievable. He's so, going to make yeah. a lot of money. He's going to make a lot of money. He might be the first $500 million player in baseball. So, the, yeah, the weird thing is he's not a game changer. Mm-hmm. Oh, Soto is a game changer in the playoffs. No, he's not. Oh, uh, yes, no, he is. Not. Yes, he is. He won. He, he was the reason why the Nationals won the World yeah. Series. Yeah. He's the reason why they it, won. It wasn't all that wonderful pitching. Um, and all that clutch hitting, it was the one guy because it seems like when you don't surround him with eight other all stars, what he hit with the Nationals for the trade. No, that team wasn't that team wasn't like the 2015 Nationals. They no, were, they they had a lot of yes, they had Rendon who was hot. It was Rendon, yeah, yeah, Rendon who was hot. But their next, their no, next... that's my point exactly. Like the, if without protection around him with stars, he doesn't hit. No, I know that, but the, think about that. So you're cool. getting him fifty million dollars a year to not hit, but. But he did hit in that postseason without that. Rendon was the only, like, big, big name that was great in the playoffs. They lost Ramos. They lost Desmond. They lost all those players. Bryce Harper obviously going to the Phillies. So they were they were a lot of scrap people. Their next best hitter in the playoffs was Howie Kendrick at, you like, don't, 37 years and, and old. And, Danny, you don't think Soto's going to be uh, going to go to a team that's going to have protection around him? Absolutely no, will. No, of course. He's, he's smart to do that because he needs it. But, every um, Every player needs that. Every player needs that. The only player that didn't need that this year was Aaron Judge. And that's because he was on well, a – what, you hear me? I hear you. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying Judge made his own offense. He made his Some own offense this that. year. But that that's that's it. He's the only player this year that didn't need protection. It didn't matter who was in front of him or who was behind him. He was hitting the ball. So, and as, that, as much as I don't think he's a great baseball player, I'm going to argue that Pete Alonso makes his offense. I think I think Pete Alonso is a good uh, baseball player, and uh, I, didn't say, I didn't say he's bad. I didn't say he's, I he's not great. I think that no. Pete Alonso though, does manage to make his own offense. He which... did have a couple bad stretches though when other guys were down. Yeah, so, no, he stunk hurt. quite a few times. But by the also, way, when people stuck around him, he still hit. By the yeah. way, Pete actually so... showed up on Saturday to Lake Grove. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, he was over here. No, nobody knew he was supposed to be over here. He was going to a wedding. This is what I heard. My friend's the manager of Miller's Ale House, and he wanted to watch the United States soccer team. They wanted to watch the Netherlands game. He shows up at 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody even knew it was Pete Alonso. Uh, he was sitting down with his wife or his fiance or his wife, and then all of a sudden somebody, I think one of the bartenders said, is that Pete Alonso? 
As soon as everybody heard that in the bar, they all stood up and they went over to him and he got up and he smiled and then he stood there and he signed every single autograph and he took pictures with everybody. And could you imagine that? You're going to a wedding. You you want to be left alone. You want to watch the United States get their asses reamed by Netherlands. And and after watching them lose, you're going to sit there and sign autographs and, and kiss babies. I, I have to give uh, Pete Alonzo a lot of credit because I don't want to deal with that. I want to sit there and eat. I don't want to be dealing with people. Now, can I have your autograph? Uh, could you sign my baby's forehead? Sure, I'll sign your tits too. You know, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I don't want to be bothered with that. I said that I, – I told your brother that too, Derek. You know, if, if, if I was a star and I'm sitting in a place and I'm eating and I, I, don't, want, I don't want people to know me because no. I don't want people bothering me. You know, so no. yeah, you you want to relax. You don't want to. You want Absolutely. people. Eh, you don't want anybody bothering you when you're sitting with your family and stuff like that. I'm a good guy, so I'll get up, I'll take pictures and stuff like that, and and do whatever you know, do do whatever I need. But there are a lot of asses that would be telling you, listen, this isn't the pl- proper place, the proper time. I'm here with my family. I'm here with my wife. Leave me alone. You know. So I give Pete Alonzo a lot of credit because he didn't have to do that. Errol, so the other thing I want to call, because I know you love hockey as much mm-hmm. as I do, mm-hmm. maybe more, um, and something, as you know, we've all seen in the blogs I've written, I've been calling for for years, is that the Islanders are looking to maybe acquire Patrick Kane. Yes, I saw that, yep. I've been saying this for years. I'm like, what would be the better player to play with Matt Barzal and teach him? Maybe three years ago when I first wrote it, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks haven't been competitive in a dog's age. and Not since they lost as the one seed to the eight seed Nashville. <laughs> Yeah, and but like, what was the last time they went? Yeah, like they made the playoffs. Like they, in the, the last COVID five year, years, the COVID been, year they did it. Yeah, Besides that, they've no. been bad. Yeah, you know, you know, for five years. You you mentioned hockey. Derek actually comes from a hockey family. Uh, his brother was a hockey player. His other both brother, older brothers. Yes. I never played, but you never both played. Older brothers, both, hockey guys. Both your your guys are both your brothers are hockey players, and, and your brother your your older brother. Uh, agent uh, and and a great goaltender. I heard he small and he was Van Beesbrook size, but uh, he has a lot of he represents a lot of hockey players. What are your thoughts to the Islanders getting Patrick Kane? I mean, I've always felt like they're one or two forwards like away. They need some real offensive juice to take that next step, especially under Trotz when they really had it going. Uh, I still don't understand. Uh, that direction that they went um, with Lamoretto, with Lamorello. But uh, I just feel like, I mean, they're, they're structured really well. Um, they're really defensive minded and in the postseason, this could get you a long way, but with a guy like Kane, I think that could put them over the top, um, especially at the top of their line, someone to match with Barzell as a car, as the caller said, um, makes a lot of sense on paper. Um but, yeah, I, I, I still don't think they have enough juice until they execute a move like that uh, to at least compete with the top of these guys, the teams like Tampa Bay and teams like that. I, I don't think they're at that level yet until they get someone of that caliber. Well, who would have thought that the Devils are the top team in the Eastern Conference? That, yeah, that one still makes no sense. I'm still <laughs> waiting for them to fall. Uh, that's fall temporary. Or something. Hey, that one makes zero maybe sense. They can pull up, maybe they can pull up what the Flyers did. They had a 10-game winning streak, and then all right, now they have a 10-game losing streak. Or they, they did have yeah, a 10-game I mean, losing streak. So, so maybe the Devils are the 13 and 13. Like the, the kind of tone that they had over the, the offseason, uh, how the sky was falling McGillney, for the Devils, and now they have the most points in the league. But 
You know, it's so interesting when, when I sit here today and I'm trying to figure out the best guy to play with Barzell. And for years, Danny, you know this. We're trying to find that guy. The Islanders are trying to find that guy. They put Anders Lee there. They put this guy there. They put Wallstrom there. They put that guy there. It doesn't work. And he's more of a facilitator. Barzell is the facilitator. He needs a guy that could close. Uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, really a guy that could just put the puck in the net if he gets it. And you know Barzell's going to be able to put the puck on your stick. And, and maybe it's not Patrick Kane. I don't know if it's Patrick Kane. The guy that really stood out to me is, is the guy right now in St. Louis. He's not having a great season. The Islanders have been trying to get him for the last two years. And, Speedy, I've been talking about it for the last couple of years. And you know what I'm talking Tarasenko, about. Tarasenko, yeah. You know, I, I think oh. Tarasenko is a guy. And I'm going to tell you why I think Tarasenko works. Derek's not a fan. I, I can see you're not a yeah. fan of his, but I, that's fine. I, here's the reason why. This guy has done it in the playoffs. This guy is a playoff player. You go look at his numbers right now. He's, what, six goals. He's not having one of those seasons. He has 20-some high points. He's cheap right now. The Islanders don't have to go out there and give up a lot for Tarasenko. He, he just might need a resurge. Last year he had a really good season. He's still 30 years old. You bring him over there. You put him with Barzell. He's got speed. He's got good hands. He knows how to put the puck in the net. All he needs somebody to do is set him up. I think I think Tarasenko is the perfect fit. And I think Lou Lamarello has been knowing that for years. It's just St. Louis doesn't want to give him up. 41 goals, 19 assists in his career in the playoffs in uh, eight playoff seasons. He's a playoff. Yeah, he's played a lot of meaningful hockey. Yeah, he's a playoff player. And that's what the Islanders need. They need a closer in the playoffs. They need a guy, a go-to guy, say, listen, we need a, we need a puck in the net. Go, go and get it for us. And if Barzell, you put him up, he could, he, could, he could skate. He's a good penalty killer. He hits. He does everything. He back checks. He does everything. And, and I think he just needs to go somewhere else now where he, they have a chance to win. St. Louis is done. They're not making the playoffs this year. No, they're not. They're well, not. I mean, even if they do, they're not making it far in the playoffs. No, but... no. And I think Tarasenko, he's cheap right now. Luke can actually trade away a prospect or two, not really good prospects, maybe a second or third round draft pick for him, and they can get him right now. Because I, I think, and I think at the trade deadline, as St. Louis starts to move past uh, on not making the playoffs, he will be available. And Lou Lamorello, I'm telling you, go look it up. Lou Lamorello has been going after him for two years, and, and St. Louis oh. would not part ways with him. Here's the thing, to bring in a guy like that, I mean, I know there's some cap space in this team, but to improve the team for a legitimate player for you're going to need more than a Tarasenko, so you're going to need more space. Anyone they acquire, a salary has to go the other way. Five and a half million dollars next year. Yeah, but his cap hit, it's it's not the cash, it's it's the um, it's the average. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's making five and a half, but he's still seven and a half on the book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you'd have to, to make him five and a half, you have to get rid of two and a half. Mm-hmm. Or... And, and here's something I've been advocating for years and years and years. Josh Bailey's got to go. Mm. Like he's he's now being healthy scratch at five million bucks against your cap. Mm. Like that's that's bad. That's bad. Would you put Would you put Mayfield and and Bailey in a trade for Tarasenko and a second tier defenseman in a trade? I would I would do that trade. Um, for sure, if, if a pick came back with like a second or a first, probably a second. A second, but you only get a first. But but then at that point, that's a that's a cap neutral trade. Um, 
then I, I looked to get Kane mm. and say, let's just, let's have all guns blazing on your, on your top six. Like, and you can move a Bavillier who scores eight goals a year in eight different games and 13 goals a year in one game. But so, he's, a, he's a good playoff player. He is a good playoff player, mm-hmm. and I, I do like him, but he's streaky like Errol's underwear. Mm-hmm. He is just really um, – Let me see my underwear. Like, Hold on. Let me see. No. Speedy, you want to see my underwear? <laughs> no, I don't. I, 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 just check if <laughs> no, I have any streaks. Danny, you're lucky you're on the phone. <laughs> I might have some streaks, you know. And, and Speedy, my last name is Mark, so, you know, I might have some skids there too. <laughs> That's a better joke. Damn it, I use that. One of our guests did a while ago <laughs> used skid marks. And oh, <laughs> wow. You were like caught off guard. Listen, if you want a skid on my skid, you know, you'll have some yeah, marks. I mean, I, I would think that if, if you're going to go, because, like, you know, with, under Trotz, they went all defense all the time, and, like, one goal is all you need to win the game. And that's just, that wears a player down. They can't make a mistake. But if you get a guy like Tarasenko, you get a guy like Kane and just let it fly. You're going to score goals. And, and Kane, at this point in his career, he knows how to control the game. I he's, don't. He's still I don't super s- skillful. I, I don't see the Islanders getting Kane and Tarasenko. I think it's too expensive. I don't either. It's too I don't, expensive. But, if you're gonna, but they, they don't, the Islanders are not a team that has a future. Technically, they're a win-now team. Five years from now, when Lee and Nelson and uh, Bailey and Bavillier and Martin and Sezikis and Clutterbuck are all gone, um, what's, what's their forwards looking like? What's their prospects? They almost have like one of the weakest prospect pools of forward in the entire league. Well, they have some fin- they have some Finland players that they- dude who played in the fourth line last night. Some guy who was making me sandwiches. On Wednesday, yeah, like it's it's like he's playing on the in the, <laughs> the NHL. Beef. <laughs> the beef made so much. Yeah, he scored a goal last night. So <laughs> I know he scored a goal, but I'm saying is where did he come from? He, he came, wasn't directed by the Islanders. He came from the he, sandwich he, place. I just told you. He was open out. He just goal. It must have been he the beef. Play, Subway. He he's he's Steph Curry's uh, you know agent. No, nah, he, he works at the beef's deli. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> salted of coleslaw. Salted. Uh, could you imagine the beef play? First of all, the beef can't. He can skate. He can't stop. Uh, guys, you want to hear something funny? I went skating with the beef about three years ago, and. I, you know, we, we were, we were, it was free skating was like DJ night and I was with my girl and, and, and she's, let me tell you something. She is so conceited on her skating skills when she can't skate for crap either. And, <laughs> and, uh, she was out there. I was trying to skate with them. And then the beaver's was like, I could skate. I was a good roller by. So he started skating. He could skate. And I said, okay, could you stop? He says, no. I said, so what's the point of skating if you can't stop? So he started skating and, and. And I said, so I'm trying to teach him. And he says, I'm stopping and, and, you know, on my left, my right, I'm doing all these, you know, these things. He's like, well, how do you do that? I said, I don't know how you do, I do it. I just, it comes naturally. I just do it. So it's so funny. So he was standing next to the board and there are two girls standing right there. And I told, I told my girlfriend, I'm going to, I'm going to check them over the boards and throw them over the board. He's standing over there trying to take the ice off his blades and he turns around and I just nail him and he flies over the boards. <laughs> These two girls thought he was dead. He was laid there. He was like, <laughs> I almost got kicked off the ice, but it, it was well worth it. The guy, the security wow. guy told me. I've never seen, dude. I've never. I I wish I had it on video. It was one of the funniest things I ever seen. 
These girls came up to us. Like, he had more play from these girls than I've ever seen him have any play for any girls. These girls actually thought he was dead. It's like that Simpsons baby. You all want to see a dead body. <laughs> my, girlfriend, my girlfriend was yelling at me. It sounded like my mother yelling at me when I was four years old. It was hilarious. And he got up. And then the whole night, I was run, skating after him, trying to pull his pull his jersey over his head because he was wearing a Ranger jersey. I can't stand the Rangers, by the way. So um, <laughs> it was funny. But, yeah, that's it. But anyway. Dan, I have, a, I have a question for you. This is, the, this is the guy I was thinking the Islanders could definitely take a look at, too, who's younger, too. Oh. Now he's going to be a hefty contract. Is uh, They're going to have to pay him at the end of the year as Timo Meyer with the Sharks struggling the way they are because he can score goals and he can hit, too. He's a big guy. There's somebody on the um, – the Phoenix Coyotes that Mikey C was telling me the Islanders really, really like, uh, that he's a free agent in the offseason and that the Islanders are going to go heavily after him. Hmm. I don't know who it is. Uh, but I'll, I'll look up so who the free agents forward? are. I don't know. I'll I, look up I, who the free agents are. I'll try to figure it out. Because I know, I know Mikey C was on the bandwagon for Kyle Connor for a while, but now Winnipeg's playing well, so they're not going to trade him now. Let's see, Arizona. Arizona. I forget who it is. He, he was telling me, and he says, Lou Lamorello has his eyes locked on this guy. And I don't know who it is. I, I'm like, who the hell is that? You know, so uh, I, I see. You know what it is, is I don't follow Phoenix. I, if I had to study Phoenix, I'll probably, you know, I'll know the team and I'll know. But Mikey C, he's like, he studies these teams and players that the Islanders are interested in. Was it Nick Ritchie? Is it Nick Ritchie? He's 27. He's about to be a free agent. Um, Nick uh, Bukestad and the only other ones that are free agents are, is Gosh Despair, but he's a defenseman. Oh. Troy Stetcher is a defenseman. Yeah, th- these are all the ones that are free agents and then guys that haven't even played this Who's year. Re- what's his name? Nick Ritchie. How, what, what is he? What are, he's he, a left wing. He used to play for Anaheim, too. How many goals does he have? Six team goals, points. four assists so far this year. It was somebody I forget. I have to call Mikey. He he's the one who he has all these inside stuff because he follows every single like NHL, you know, Twitter guy. I know? like him as a player, Nick Ritchie. We'll see if he has to get more production to get that kind of. Value. I don't know if it's yeah. Nick Ritchie. Yeah. It was somebody else. Okay, because that's the only one that makes kind of sense. Buke, Maybe it wasn't Buke, Phoenix. Bukestad's old, so that wouldn't really make sense. And the other ones are. I'm just. I'm trying to remember what he told me. I remember he was always on Kyle Connor for a while, but. Again, Winnipeg's no, it wasn't time Kyle for, Connor. Yeah, Winnipeg's time for first place. They're not going to trade him. I know now. who Kyle Connor is. It yeah. wasn't Kyle Connor. It, it was, uh, it was somebody who is a pretty good goal scorer. I think he said, but uh, that was that was Danny. And, but uh, Danny got scared away with Mikey C trade scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> Danny is a he's a big hockey fan. Yes, he is. He's a big hockey fan. He writes. He used to write for the NHL. Funny story is he used to write for the Islanders for Sports Illustrated. Derek. And the funny end of this is he he wrote something about Charles Wing in Sports Illustrated, and Sports Illustrated and the Islanders fired him. So yeah, and he wow. yes, and he started writing with us. Danny became a really close friend of mine, and I told Danny that he can write about anything. I don't care what you write; just try to keep it as much a professional oh, as you can. Back. But uh, he's back. <laughs> You're us talking about him. No, someone <laughs> hang up on me. What the hell? We didn't. No, we didn't hang up on you. I, I'm sitting you guys talking. Also, goes then. I'm like, what did Danny, I say? Danny, I was t- I was telling Derek your story about Sports Illustrated. Oh, when they they fired me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to come back and tell your side of the story. Yeah, as my side, they fired me. They, they were like, we can't use you. You suck. No, they um. 
they, they were like, we want you to write things and we want you to be nice because when you are nice, we get access. So when you write like this player doesn't really suck, then the team lets us interview players. And I'm like, yeah, but then everyone knows you're phony because <laughs> you're yep. talking about not reality. Like, and we're talking, this was, I want to say this was like 2010 Islanders. Yep. And they're like, you can't say Josh Bailey sucks. And I'm like, have you seen him play? <laughs> like, he was drafted to be like a 20-goal scoring line two center that puts up like 70 points a year. <laughs> and plays defense occasionally. I was like, and the, the problem with that, he does none of those things. Well, the re- real reason why you got fired was Charles Wong, wasn't it? I probably, I mean, I'm sure no owner of a team likes to hear his team be told how bad they suck. And potentially an owner who was like, I want to get in an arena paid for by this guy that's writing these horrible things. But, um, yeah, it, it's they were really they, – they were nice enough to give me one more chance and only one more chance. They were like, you can't write this stuff again. We're going to take it off our site because it's insulting. I'm like, I noticed it has a good readership though. And they're like, well, yeah, but it, we doesn't, it doesn't benefit us. Pretty much their argument was it doesn't – well, there's a lot of arguments. But the one was, like, you getting readers is good, but not at the expense of us Derek, losing access. Derek, if you read his stories, and you could go and check it out on our website, his stories are the funniest hockey stories. And he just doesn't write about hockey, but what he's an Islander fan, and he writes so many crazy. Uh, I trash them all the time. He trashes like, them all the time. It's that's so, awesome. I it's love that. so because... funny. Because they don't run right. I mean, it's like I say, what I called no. the first insight in the phone call was the Mets don't run right. They they, no, they no. spend all this money for nothing. And it's it's like, oh, we spent between Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer, we spent $90 million to get 25 wins. And I was mm. like, oh, that's great. That's, that's Or you could have hired one guy to do that, like if he was good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and you, between the three of those guys, they pitched almost a season and a half. For three guys. Well, look at the bright like, side. You're you're a Met fan, so they're going to have a, a whole team of senior citizens this year. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, Steve Cohen should just buy the National Natural History Museum. You know what? Actually, the part about that that's the most insulting isn't the paying an old man money because what are you going to say? Max Scherzer is not a generational pitcher; it's a pay at the end. I don't mind that. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm lying. I do mind that, but not for reason my think I mind that. Um, I mind that because it costs me $75 a park and $84 for a hot dog at City Field. Well, now but, you know what you're paying for, a senior citizen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, pay, I'm paying Social Security for somebody else. But, um, Maybe they have to put in senior discounts. Yeah, well, like, but aside of that, though, the part that bothers me is the Atlanta Braves, like, reach into their organization, like, out of double-A oh, ball, yeah. gets a 19-year-old kid who can't spell his own name, <laughs> and he shows up in leagues and hits 280 and makes a gold glove defense in whatever position he's in. Oh, uh, they're, the they're miles like, ahead of everyone. top touted prospect in the entire baseball world at third base, and he sucks. And, like, here's a top touted catching prospect in all of baseball, and then he sucks. And I'm like, how come the Mets have these top of prospects and every one of them sucks a fat nut, but the Braves can pull a guy out of the fucking stands and he hits like 750. And I'm like, how does that even work? How does that work where the Mets, no matter what they do, it's set up for failure. And no matter what the Braves do or the Cardinals do or the Dodgers do or the Giants do, it's like it's almost like the two teams have infrastructure. The two organizations that have such good infrastructure that I have seen over the last couple of years is Houston and the Braves. Yep. 
Those are the two teams that really stand out. You look at their farm systems and the and the Dodgers. The Dodgers farm system. I, I would throw in the Cardinals. So. Yes, the Dodgers. The Cardinals, yeah, Carol, I heard a stat and and I was like, this can't be true. And I looked up and like, Cardinals too. Yes, you're right, Derek. The Cardinals since 1955 have had back to back losing seasons twice. It's insane. I'm like, that's 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 a hundred years almost. Like that's. They've only had bad, two bad seasons in a row twice since 1955. I'm like, that's – Joe Biden at that point was a ninth-term senator. And, and I'm, I'm like, you know, that's that's a long time. But, I, I mean, that's a, that's a crazy stat. How about this? The Yankees have had a winning season 33 years in a row. No sports team in any in, – in, in history that's done that before. 33 well, winning seasons in a row. Year. Also, the Yankees, the Yankees had for the decade of the '80s more wins than any team in the '80s. They did, and they yes, they had more wins than any team in the '80s, and they and less championships in the '80s. So I think they only lost. They lost eighty, and that I think was it for the entire decade. Yeah. But they, um, the Yankees, yeah, but, but, the Yankees are just an organization that has always built around winning, and that's why if they don't win a championship, playoff, you know, playoff surge or none. If they don't win yeah. a championship, nobody cares. And and, and I'm totally fine with that. I think every fan should expect that, especially in New York. Every fan should expect that. Yeah, too and bad. All the New York of... sports stink. So now it's well, finally changing. Now it's finally changing. Yeah, finally. the Knicks are good. I missed that part. The Nets are good. I missed that part. The Giants are good. <laughs> no, I that part. Oh, shut up, you. I mean, the Jets, the Giants are. The Jets fun. are good. I missed that part. The Giants they, they are got improved. The... <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah, the Knicks. The Giants are better than the. The Giants are better than worst. Um, no, the Jets are the Jets are good. The Jets, the Jets are legitimate. Are the good. Giants the are just improved on an easy schedule. The Jets offense is the you, you know what it you know what it is about Danny, and I love this about Danny. Danny just he doesn't want to. He doesn't care if they're. You, you, we could say they're good, but Danny will find something that will say make them bad. Oh, he, so it's just like he, Mikey he, C. He, he, oh, Mikey C. No, Mikey Mets the, the, the Mets. Mm-hmm. Nope, they stink. Anyway. Mikey Giants, C. They stink anyway. Mikey C. Is the completely opposite. Mikey C thinks he's right 90% of the time. And he says that all the time. And when he's wrong, he'll never admit that he said it. Okay. Danny will tell you that he said it and he'll tell you straight out. It don't matter if they're good. Their defense could be elite, but Hey, you know what? Their quarterback sucks. So they stink. That's what Danny you will know, tell I, you. Honestly, the just defense is elite. How many points did you have last week to a bad team? The Vikings are not a bad team. Oh, the Vikings, Vikings are not bad. They're not a bad team. They're a very good offense. Uh, that offense is yeah, good. Yeah, they're, they're going to win the Super Bowl this year? No. Did they ever Probably the not, oh, but they're still a top seven God. team. Come on. How many points did the that, Vikings that's have? That's the most mean- how many points? Danny, Danny, Danny. I don't care about record, Danny. Danny. They're a top seven team talent-wise and conceptually. Danny. How do you know that? Because of their talent and because of their stats. Right. and be- so, so They have it, one so- significant weakness on their team, and that's not a top seven team. Oh, they're definitely a top seven team. They I are. agree with you. They're not. I wouldn't pick them for the Super Bowl either. I would they're still favor the, the Eagles or Jimmy G with the 49ers teams, if he comes back. Might not but... be there. It's, it's such a nebulous – it's like this stat is so temporary that we don't care next week what it was this week. Like, <laughs> I didn't say what – I agree with you. I don't buy streaks either, but that's not – the Vikings Danny, consistently Danny. have been a top that's seven like, oh, team. Funny I think he just know. doesn't want to get hurt again. I, can, <laughs> I, I just think this is a Jets fan that doesn't want to buy in, and he knows this is a good team, but he's afraid to go all in. 
That's what I think this is. No, I, 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 what I, this I, is. I think Dan. The Jets jinx has spoken. I, I think. I think Danny. <laughs> I think Danny buys in. I just think Danny doesn't buy in to certain pieces of this team. The Jets are a good defense. And what the Jets did to the Minnesota Vikings in the second half of the game, no team has done all season long. They cut – Guess just look at the numbers here. Kirk Cousins had less than 70 yards thrown in the second half of the game. 70 yards thrown in the second yard. And he only had – he had seven points in that in the second half, not because of, not because of the defense, because of the offense. Okay, so uh, honestly, the, uh, the Jets, the Jets are elite defensively, and you can win like that if they can run the ball and and do the things that they're good at. They 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 absolutely can make them. Now next year will be the year for the Jets, and I think in the off season, uh, Robert yeah. Sala and Joe Douglas are going to have to decide on what they're doing with this kid. Are they going to bring him back as the starting quarterback? Are you going to sit him on the bench for the, the beginning of the season and bring in a veteran quarterback that's good, that's talented, that can take this team and, and make them into contenders? Like Jimmy Garoppolo could be a nice piece over there. Derek Carr could be a nice piece over there. Uh, if there are other quarterbacks that become available that they really, really like, that fit the culture over there with the Jets – Bring him in. It won't be Mike White. I guarantee you, Mike White, Mike no matter White what happens, <laughs> even if Mike White takes the Jets to the AFC title game, Mike White will not be the starting quarterback for the Jets next year. Mike White trades to the Panthers. Yeah. He won't be. Yeah. He won't be. It, it, it's not going to happen. I And I know I know a lot of Jet fans saying, oh, we love Mike White. You listen to Garrett Wilson. You listen to Elijah, Ver- uh, Elijah Moore, who, by the way, is an ass I, I don't care what he has to say. He needs to take his anti-Semitic thoughts somewhere else. But uh, honestly, it, the truth is Mike White it can throw the ball. He can throw the ball down the field, and they love him for it because they can go out there and get it. Zach Wilson hasn't proven it, and that's the big problem for Zach Wilson. He doesn't have the balls. He doesn't have the kahunas to say, you know what? I'm gonna, he, he, What he does is he likes throwing the ball on the checks on the sidelines, and he, and he throws interceptions that way. He, he doesn't have any confidence in his throwing arm, and you're seeing that, and that's, that's the problem with the Jets. Mike White is going to gunsling it on Sunday. He will gunsling it. The question is, are those wide receivers going to go up there and get it? If they do it, the Jets will beat Buffalo again. If they don't, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have a very long day. So, honestly, um, Danny, do I think the Jets are an elite team in the AFC? Absolutely. They're a top-seven team in the AFC. Who's better than that? These top seven things. These top seven things are amazing. The Jets might not make the playoffs. Like, how do you say the top seven miss the playoffs? Okay, let's look at the teams. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Bengals. The Bengals <laughs> last year. They went from the the first pick, and then two years later, they were in the Super Bowl, yep. and they were like a couple minutes away from winning last year. Derek and says made it as a four seed, and, and, and you probably don't hear Derek. Derek said that the Bengals did it. They were four. They won four games the year before, and they lost their star quarterback. And then a the year later. They go. They went all the way to the Super Bowl. Here's what I'm going right. to say. Here's what I'm going to say. All right. Right now, if you were to ask right now, the Jets or the Ravens, who's better? Who do you think is better? Jets. Ravens. The Jets. Okay. Speedy, who do you think is better, Jets or Ravens? I would right take now. the Ravens. I would still uh, with Lamar Jackson. Oh, with Lamar Jackson, no. That's what I'm saying. You listen even, even, right now. Even with Lamar. Even with Lamar, they, they don't have any receivers. All right. Who do you think is better? Honestly, Jets or the Patriots? Jets. Patriots. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. 
Who do you think is better? What did Jets do against Patriots here? Uh, that, seven points? That's because games? of Zach Wilson, and you know that's why it was. Stop. Yeah, the second guy I pick in the draft, Stop. Zach Wilson? Stop. Okay. <laughs> Who's better, the Jets or the Titans? Jets. Jets. That's a, that's a close one. I'd probably go with Tennessee. Really? I have the Jets in that. I like Tennessee, though. I, uh, uh, the Chargers or the Jets? Jets. <laughs> Oh, the Jets. The Jets. The Chargers stink. Okay? So, Chargers, if I'm the Jets, all right, I all right. So, I just gave you all What's the teams. I, I gave you all the teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. The Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Bengals, Titans, and Chiefs are probably the top six teams right now in the AFC. And you're going to tell me the Jets aren't elite? And they don't even have a star quarterback. They don't have a, they have a second-string quarterback playing as their quarterback. You don't think they're elite? I don't think they're elite because I don't think you know what the word elite means. Elite means you're amongst the league's best. That's what. That's right. That's what elite is. Okay, you have you have okay you have okay. How many teams are in the AFC right now? You have sixteen in each conference. Six. Okay, so you have sixteen. The Jets (laughs) are the sixth best team in the AFC East. You don't think they're elite? No, that's that's barely top half. Okay, well, we compared to the well, NFC, how many right, teams are better than the Jets oh, in the NFC? So I'll, I'll tell you right now, the Vikings the Jets, the Jets didn't beat the they're Vikings. Under 50%. All right, the, they're under fifty percent. They are not. Good. They are not. The Eagles. I would say the Eagles. I honestly, if the Jets play the Cowboys right now, I think the Jets beat the Cowboys. They could, yeah. They could. I think the Jets. The beat Cowboys, the Cowboys, yeah, the Cowboys still have some flaws. I think the Jets beat the Cowboys. You can't do math. Six out of eight is not good. <laughs> it's not good. Listen. If you finish in sixth place in team league, you'd be like, boy, we suck. Like, like you can't say they're elite when you're six out of eight for the teams that make the playoffs. Six. What are you talking about? Six out of six out of sixteen. Isn't they're the six. No, no, no. They're the seven six. out of sixteen in each conference. They're six the out of sixteen teams. They're the sixth best team in a, in a sixteen team conference. That's great. And, and and by the way, if you want to put the whole league right now, I would say the Jets are. The ninth best team in the NFL right now with a backup quarterback. Ninth. Yeah. Also, you know, going into I, the year, I no one said they were going to the playoffs. Um, Uganda finished ninth in track in the Olympics, and no one gave a shit. I, no one cares about you know what? Place. You know what? You know what you need to do? You know what you need to do? You know you need to wear Speedy's dirty underwear on your head. That's what oh, you wow. need. That's what you need. I'm going to send you Speedy's dirty no, underwear. Speedy, what's happened? What's happened? Dirty said underwear. No, like, he's like, not going anywhere near. I'll wipe my ass with it so oh, you can get some of those kids for you. Oh, yeah. All right? Danny, I love you, man. We'll talk to you later, bud. Call me. Right, Call me tomorrow. Miss you guys. Get you all later on. I miss you too, man. Good. <laughs> I love Danny. <laughs> He's a character. The ninth yes. best team, not elite. Very interesting. He is. Almost, Danny is. Almost just like Francisco Lindor didn't play well last year. <laughs> you know what it is with Danny? Danny is a very negative person. He, he is. Yeah. Oh, there he comes. Oh, no, no, no. Now we got Jeff. Uh-oh. Here, Here comes goes. Jeff. Jeff, what's up, man? Uh, honestly, this is uh, – look. I know you're going to take this harshly. No, okay, no. I I know I know that you're going to like, take anything like tooth and nail on this. There we go. Were the Eagles elite last year? Last year? No. Last year? No. No. Then the Jets aren't elite. They are the last team in the playoffs. They are third in their own division. <laughs> third in their own. Now, I'm not saying the Jets are bad. The Jets are a good team. You calling them elite is laughable. Elite. They're the last team. They're the last team in the playoffs right now. 
That's what they are. And you wouldn't call any other year the Chargers elite because they were last in the playoffs or the Raiders who were last. Last year's Pittsburgh Steelers, were they elite? No. They were the last no. one in. They barely, they were the last they barely got they in because the, the Browns couldn't win a close game. Right. They were the last ones in last year. You are, and listen, it's a it's a marked improvement. You probably didn't expect this going into the season. You're having a great season. Their defense is good. Well, right? like I'm well not Jeff, Jeff, if you remember what I said to you, if the Jets have a good season, they win nine games. If they have a bad season, they win four games. Right. They're also, not elite. they're also not elite. Stop with this. This is what makes you embarrassing because they're not elite. They're the last team in the playoffs. <laughs> And I just and I just went through all and I just went through all the other teams that were the last team in the playoffs from other years and everybody Jeff I, Jeff I, I want to ask you a question okay because you're 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 calling up right now honestly I don't care about the record I don't care about the record let's keep the record out I'm gonna name you teams you tell me if they're better than the Jets okay uh, and, honestly okay, hold on. But, uh, no 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 I, I will do that but I will also fight mm-hmm. you on another thing. Oh, the Patriots only won because of Zach Wilson. I'm not. Well, then, well, then play your better players. They beat you twice. All right. Let's not talk about the Patriots. We're not getting into the Patriots. I want to know your honest opinion here. Don't do it because you hate the Jets. I want. I don't hate the Jets. I was just very complimentary of them. All right. And I'm just saying you wouldn't have called any of the other last team in the playoffs elite. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Do you think right now, as as what we have seen, the Bills are better than the Jets? Yes. Okay. Do you think the Dolphins are better than the Jets? Yes. You think the Uh, Patriots? They're better, but maybe less. They're less reliable, maybe because of the. All right. So you're 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 in in the middle. You're in between with. I think that they. I think that they're just a better team all around. Like the Jets are struggling on offense. It's hard to say that they're going to beat the Dolphins because they can't score points. How about the Patriots? Yeah, I, we beat you twice, but we're probably not better. We have our own issues in coaching. Ravens. They're better. With Lamar Jackson, they're better. Okay. Bengals. They're better. Browns. Hold on. Just a point on the Bengals, just to point out how much better they are. They were one and four to like start the season. They haven't lost since like week five or something. Yeah, they haven't lost since week nine on Halloween against the Browns. I mean, they've been they've been stuffing people left and right, and no one's noticed it. The Bengals started the year horrible. Everyone trashed the Bengals, and all of a sudden they're like eight and four or whatever they are. Yep. Steelers. No, they stink. Titans. They're better. The Titans are better than the Jets. Okay. The Titans, yeah, the Titans are better. They play great defense, and they they can score points. Like I don't like their offense, but Derrick Henry is a cheat code. I, I think the Jets have a better offense than they do. They don't. Otherwise, they would have scored more than three points against the Patriots. I Again, we, we were talking about Zach Wilson here, okay? It, then if you don't like Zach Wilson, don't start him. All right. Mike White was an option for that game. Did you play him? No. That's all right. Your all choice. right. All right. All right. Okay, I got it. Colts. Don't, bl- don't blame All right, him. Jeff. All right, Jeff. I got it. Colts. No, they stink. Jaguars. No, they stink. Texans. Come on, next. All right, we know you have the Chiefs, Chargers. Uh, ooh. yeah, the Chargers are probably better. They're not better. The Raiders. Oh, hold on, you asked me. You can't do. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. I, I'm not gonna argue with you. And by, and by the way, the Chargers score points. Okay. How many points do the Jets score? None. 
<laughs> what are you talking about? They scored twenty last week. What are you talking yeah, 20, about? Twenty last week. Oh, oh, and oh, and you're talking about Kirk Cousins only throwing for seven. Yeah, they had they, almost four hundred yards thrown, Jeff. Come were, on, because they were bitches. Because Kirk Cousins only had seventy yards passer than that quarter because they were bitches and just tried to run out the clock. Oh, stop. Okay, Raiders. Oh, all of, all of a Raiders. Raiders. You know, Raiders think. Okay. Broncos, we know you say this thing. This thing. No, you know, anything with Russell Wilson is just. Strange. All right. You know the Eagles are. I'm not going to argue with you. The Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, Jordan Davis, by the way. Unbl- you want to know what? Oh, God. I, Jordan yeah. Davis. You want to you, you know what? No. No. <laughs> I know you don't think so. The Giants. No, by the way, two years ago, my favorite win in football. Yes, what was the, Cow- the Jets beat the Cowboys. We know. Until the Cowboys can manage to find a way to beat the Jets. They are not better. They are dumpster trash. All right. Giants. Uh, oof. Probably not, no. Commanders. Uh, no. Vikings. Yes. Lions. They just beat them. Oh, man. I, I, do love, I do love me some DeAndre Swift, but probably not, no. Packers. Come on. Are, are we, what are we doing here? All right. Buccaneers. Yes, they probably are. The Buccaneers are better than the Jets. Mm-hmm. You're crazy. Falcons. Oh, I know. The team that only made the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Or almost the Super Bowl. They lost to the Rams and, and almost won that game. I know. And Tom Brady coming back to beat everybody, but he's too old. I got you. You know what they think. All right. Uh, we, we all know where you're going with this. The fact is, is that in the end, the Jets name are a more top. Teams. Come on, let's go. Uh, Come on, name more teams. There's more, there's more teams. You have a surprise for rating on Falcons. The NFC. Falcons, no. Panthers, no. Saints, Saints, no. Seahawks, yes. No, Seahawks are better. They, Seahawks there was. They are not. Seahawks are a very good team. They are not better than the Jets. The Cardinals. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. They they score points. I mean, that's foreign to you guys. Dude, you make sure points. you keep saying the Jets don't score points. Let's look at the Jets' points. You keep how, saying how that. Points, how many points have they scored in the last month? The Jets oh, have. Month. All right, the Jets a have. The points. Jets have two hundred and sixty-two points. Okay, two hundred and sixty-two points. How many points they scored in the last month? Two hundred and sixty-two points. Okay. In, in the month. The, in the no, last I, four I'm weeks. saying you're saying the Jets don't score points. The Jets are in the middle of the league when it comes to scoring points. That's not bad. You and make it the middle of the league. Right, and they. And, but what happens is this is dude. This is exactly oh the Dak Prescott eighty thing points the last four games. <laughs> 80 right. points and in the last four games. That's, that's a lot. 20 right. per game. That's a lot. Right. And they beat up on bad teams. And by the way, wow. you score no points. How many, how many total points against the Patriots who are terrible? Three. Three. Total. They scored 20 points against Buffalo. Yeah, great. Josh Allen had a broken arm. Yeah, Good defense. They just beat the hell out of that. No, so. no, no. Josh Allen, Josh, Josh Allen was hurt. Like, if you can make excuses for Zach Wilson and that's why they didn't win, well, Josh Allen got hurt and that's why they didn't win. No, you How does Josh like... Allen affect their offense, though? <laughs> You're saying you know, Josh, points. No, All right, no, maybe no, if Josh no. Allen plays, they beat the Jets 27 to 20, and, but and, they still and, score and, 20 points. Right, and by, the, and by the way, the entire Bills defense is hurt and getting worse since Von Miller now needs yeah, seven I'm very more surgeries for We spoke about it, and that's yeah. why I think the Jets have a very good chance to win this week. Yeah, they, uh, I don't know. In Buffalo, they're going to be chucking dildos around. I think it'll be tough, tough, tough play. <laughs> Don't, uh, you're laughing. That's what they do, is it not? Yeah, and I remember well. They, they call them bildos. <laughs> bildos. 
That's pretty funny, actually. I didn't know that, but uh, that's funny. Now, now you're giving me nightmares if they do actually win the Super Bowl, what they could throw in that parade. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is, and, it, and, it's, and it's very real, you wouldn't call any team that's the last team in the playoffs any other year elite, but because it's the Jets, that's why you do it. I think any of the teams the, uh, from the NFC and the AFC, that's that's 12 teams out of 32 teams that make it to the it's playoffs. Actually four, it's actually 14. No, no, but I, I – all right. I'm sorry, seven. 14 teams. That's why you're last. That's, by the way, the expansion of the playoffs is how you're in the playoffs. They needed to make the playoffs bigger just so the Jets could get it. And I'm going to tell you, smartass, that by the end of the season, the Yankee, the, the Jets will not be the seventh seed. Well, how the Yankees the, get into this? I, I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> the Jets will – the Jets will be a six or a fifth seed in the AFC. In, entirely possible. But as of right now, they're the last team in. And so calling them elite now, it, it, it makes you look silly. You wouldn't All call right. any All other right. team that was last All in right. the playoffs elite, right. would you? No. All right. So All why right, do it now? I, I love you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank I mean, you. Why do it? I, I love you. Do you, Does you that really? make any sense? What, Does what, that make this any is, sense to you? This has been a character show, I swear. <laughs> We've had it's, the characters go. Character. No, it's not, a, it's not a character thing. I'm not trying to be a character. I'm proving a point. I said, that the Jets, I said that the Jets were elite, but I meant they were elite because of their defense. Okay. Right, okay. Again, this is the whole thing with the word elite. Elite is like top five. The Jets, the Jets are top five defense. Top five defense. Right. Yeah, Right, okay. Top five defense. How about overall? Because that's what a team game is. And when I say overall, I mean special teams too. I think Miles Bryant is still running. Mm. Marcus Jones. It was Marcus Jones. <laughs> oh, that's who it was. I thought it was Miles Bryant. No, Miles yeah, Bryant. I thought Jones. Miles Bryant got hurt. So the other so Jones came back right. in or vice versa. Yeah. What, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But he's still running. Right. So th- this is what you do to, to determine elite is your cherry pick. Did, right? Didn't he have an offensive touchdown a couple weeks ago, Marcus uh, Jones? Last week. La, last, no, week. La, last, last week, it was the only touchdown they scored. Pathetic offense. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter like Marcus Jones got an offensive and touchdown after getting a special teams touchdown. Firing, I don't want to just fire Matt Patricia. I want to load him into a cannon and fire him to the moon. <laughs> oh, now you sound like Matty. I don't think you're you sound be, like Matty Caps. You want to send every player. I don't think Korea. you're going to be able to fit him in there. <laughs> <laughs> they make cannons that big. <laughs> They'll make but, it work. But, but this is the thing: is like it, it, it's just cherry picked because then you're just calling. Oh, because they have a top five defense, they're elite. Like as a team, that's not how football works. It's a team sport. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Uh, uh, by the way, the number one defense in the league last year, do you know who it was? Or Oh, no, I think number three defense in the league last year. Oh, yes, so it was the Patriots. Yardage defense, actually, Carolina was up there, too. Or it something. was the yeah, Patriots. They were horrible. It was, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. That's how they got in the playoffs. All they did was play defense because Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball downfield. Are they elite because they had a top five defense? No, they, they were a team that scrapped in because Cleveland couldn't win a close game, and the Chargers uh, decided to go for right, on their own twenty three yard line. Listen, listen, the other teams, the other teams aside, I get it. Like you can say, "Oh, Cleveland, whatever, dude." No, I think Cleveland, if they would have made it that Patriots year, would be elite. But if the they Jets made it last year, would have been elite. But the, right, the Steelers Jets, scrapped in. Right, but the Jets are in that position because the Patriots can't, can't score a point. So there's always going to be teams that are fluttering and failing why that last team gets in. But the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were a top-five defense last year. That's how they got in because Ben Roethlisberger was terrible. So does that make the Pittsburgh Steelers elite because they had a good defense? No, they're still trash. Like, be, 
and on some level, you need to just be realistic about something, anything. Mm. Okay. Well, I've heard enough about realistic and uh, the Jets not being elite. Anything else, Jeff? No, listen, I, I still think the Jets are a good team. I think yeah, they have a lot to be proud of. They're having a very good season. I actually think that they should keep Mike White. Is Mike White the new, respectfully, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Mm. Right? Yeah, he doesn't have that much swag yet. No, I don't think he's that. That beard is still legendary. And I don't think the Jets are going to keep him no matter what happens. I mean, they they should. He's familiar with their offense. I mean, let's face it. He's the built-in security blanket for them now. He's familiar with the offense. He knows what they're doing. If Zach is still out banging mommies, then – then they, they know they have a guy they can go to. <laughs> I love this guy. Oh, man. I, I mean, what's wrong with Mike White? Like, your quarterback doesn't have to be flashy. I know. Look at, look at last year. Who was the darling of last year that got into the playoffs? The Washington Commanders, mm-hmm. right? And everyone believes in Taylor Heineke. Mm-hmm. Why can't he be like Taylor Heineke? I think the Jets organization is looking for a guy that they can trust that's going to get them to that next level. Who are you? Who, this is just a football thing. Who are you going to trust more than a guy that's been in your building for three years? You're going to bring someone off the street that doesn't know your offense and over the guy that's been there. And I think Jimmy G. I think they're going him. to look at Jimmy, Jimmy G. G. If he becomes available. I'm, stop if, with the Jimmy G. nonsense. If Between his shoulder him. getting hurt and his leg breaking 800 times, you guys are begging for a walking injury report to take over for a guy that's been there. That seems silly. No, I'm just saying a guy that would know the offense. I'm not saying I don't know. San Francisco might not. Derek Carr knows the Derek Carr knows the offense. How would, he, how would he know the offense? How would he know the offense? It's not the same offense. Robert Sala was coaching defense there, not offense. No, but Lafleur was not a play caller, but he was on that system, so he would know some concepts. I don't think it would be harder for. I don't think it would be hard for Jimmy G to transition to it. I don't know if the Niners are going to let him go because of Trey Lance's injury risk, but he's a free agent, so they got to do something. But what, but what you're trying to do is replace a guy who's been reliable, that's been in that building, that would be cheaper. Because what are you going to pay for Jimmy G to come in? You're going to give him at minimum, which would be low, $20 million. So you want to wipe away $20 million for this guy just to take your money and be on the injury report every year? That seems wild. Mm. I Give me Mike White. He's playing well, right? Like, no knock there. He's certainly better than Zach Wilson. He's playing well. Why not just keep him? I, I don't think keep him and draft three more quarterbacks. <laughs> I dude, I promise you, when I get this cannon, I will stuff Zach Wilson right on top of Matt Patricia, and we will fire them to the moon. <laughs> Every time I see him on a sideline with his pet in his hat, it's so funny. It's like a scientist, and he's the offensive corner. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, you because you do realize he is a scientist, right? I do. I just think it's very, very funny how he's the offensive. He went I'm going to have to him design the cannon that's going to shoot him to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you for calling. We got to go. <laughs> All right. Jets are not elite. <laughs> oh, man. Mm, yeah. That, my friend, was the great Jets. Jeff, I'm sorry, I said Jet. Jeff. Anyways, great show. Thank you uh, for C- uh, for joining us, CBS Sports at 
uh, sports, uh, obviously editor, director Adam Silverstein, and obviously at eight thirty we 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 talk to uh, Dynasty Nerds, fantasy football writer and podcaster Garrett Price. Thank you for both of you to join us. Thank you to Dan, aka Riziki. Uh, all the different Jeff, all the different fans that listen to us throughout the country. We will be back next week at our normal days and times, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Thursday at 9 p.m. Uh, thank you for all the fans. Listen to the Weekend Crunch on 103.9 FM on the LI News Radio Network. And if you don't live around here, go to iHeartRadio and check us out at 7 p.m. Uh, no, we're after the Islander game. I'm sorry, 10.30 p.m. Uh, after the Islander game this week. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.